Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike.
that's a group you cannot match. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Let's get right down to it. Well, it looks like we've got a record uh, turnout for the chat room here. Uh, we, have, we affectionately call our chat room the crew here at Red vs. Blue. Uh, just a couple of guys. Uh, Red vs. Blue is a, a little bit of um, old-school terminology here. We've got uh, one Louisville fan, one Kentucky fan. We've been going at it for years, and we decided, you know what, we love fantasy football. Just a couple of guys like you that uh, live, breathe, and, di- and drink this stuff 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, we've been fortunate to be on the Fantasy Sports Channel. Mark Ronick and the guys uh, started something fantastic on Blog Talk Radio where 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can listen to fantasy football talk on the Internet, on your computer. It streams live. Uh, great commentators, great shows that go on all throughout the week. And these things are pretty easy. So if you like Red versus Blue, just go to our page and sign up uh, to be a uh, – just, just click the favorite link, and you'll be reminded every week, nothing more, nothing less. You'll get an email an hour before the show saying, hey, tune in to Red versus Blue. And uh, basically it just works like that. If you want to stream live and listen to the show, if you miss the show, all of the shows are podcasts. You can subscribe to the podcast right underneath the show player. Just click the link, and bam, before you know it, it's in your iTunes. Uh, and, you know, you just – you, you keep your uh, subscriptions updated all throughout the week. So if you miss it and you're in the car, you can subscribe and you can listen on Saturday morning. We come every Friday night throughout the year. We don't stop. We don't quit. I think if we're on vacation, one of us is on, Mike will run the show. If I'm on vacation or if, if Mike's on vacation, I'll be here and we'll bring on some guests. Tonight we've got some great guests lined up. David Dodds from footballguys.com will be with us. Uh, doesn't get much bigger than that in the world of football guys. And then we've got, uh, we've got my, my partner will be coming on here in a little bit, Perry Van Hook. Uh, he'll be joining us tonight. Uh, you know, look, Mike, I've tried drafting and commentating on these drafts, man, and I'm telling you, my drafts just don't turn out great. So I, I had to bring in some muscle. I had to bring in a hired gun here. So we've got Perry Van Hook joining us a little, a uh, little bit later. I think Jim Day, uh, Fantasy Taz, will be joining us later on in the program too. We've just got a, we've got a full card tonight, and we are uh, so thankful that you guys have decided to tune in and listen to us. We're getting ready to break off this draft. I just got a text uh, from the guys at the Football Guys Players Championship. They're ready to start this draft here in just a minute. Uh, So we're right now at five minutes past the hour, and we're getting ready to start live with the very first pick. Gridiron Irishman will be on the clock. Ed Nolan, longtime listener of the program and and a high-stakes veteran, Mike. Uh, Let me me give you this rundown real quick uh, for everybody listening at home. Uh, It's 12 deep and some of the biggest names uh, in fantasy football. I tell you, look, it's just – you know, when you see these names uh, show up on, on a, in a live draft in Vegas, look, these guys are competing for 100000 200000 300000 even a million dollars in some of these drafts. You see these names, you know you better bring your A game because these guys are used to winning leagues. So if you put five, six, or seven guys that are used to winning their leagues at a pretty high rate, it makes it pretty difficult to even cash in these things. So you know your work is cut out for you. We, we don't know how much value is going to be slipping to us tonight, but we're up for the, we're up for the challenge. Uh, Ed Nolan at number one, he'll be, he'll be drafting here in just a minute, kicking things off. Number two, Darren Armani of FantasyMojo.com. Mike, you were involved in the Pros vs. Joes contest. Darren Armani hosts uh, and, and sponsored the uh, Pros vs. Joes contest. FantasyMojo.com, great site, even a, even, a better, even a better drafter, Mike. Darren is at the two spot. Yeah, number he does a great job and uh, does a great job with his site. You need to check it out if you haven't been there. I'm, I'm sure most of our listeners have, but uh, he does he does a great job and uh, it, it's going to be interesting what he does with that uh, with that supposedly running back and then coming back around. 
Well, right, and everybody here is not uh, foreign to these drafts. It is the Football Guys Players Championship, so you so there are a few quirks in this contest before we finish up the entire lineup here. You do want to uh, recognize that this is a dual flex league, uh, so you start one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, one kicker, one defense, and two flex. So you have a, a lot of uh, lineup options here that really give you the flexibility in the draft to kind of do what you want to do. And So if you miss out on a certain position, never fear. Don't get panicked. Don't be afraid. Just take the best player available, and you should be okay to be able to fill up a lineup. Uh, the, the kicker here is that the tight ends, Mike, you know the story with the FFPC, right. they get one and a half points per reception. One and, a half. and I'll tell you, it's, it's the most amazing thing. You will see a tight end. I, I like to think of the, the FFPC as the birth of the tight end panic. You start to see these tight ends go, and, you, you know, right. you don't want to miss out. Right, Scott. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, who's going to go ahead and take that first tight end, that, that best tight end, so to speak. And then uh, if there's going to be a run, you know, because there's a run in every draft. Absolutely. It should start uh, right around our spot, too. I mean, usually in this format, you'll see a couple of tight ends uh, right off the bat in the end of the first round, and then you'll start to see them really go uh, second and third round. I'm telling you, by the, end, by the middle then of the third, the, that, that upper echelon of tight ends is gone. If you thought you were going to come in and, and snag a Brent Selleck in the fourth round or something, not going to happen in this draft. I just don't see it. Uh, usually the Vernon Davises and Finleys and Wittens, all those guys are gone by the time the fourth round gets here. You've got to know that going in, and most of these guys, they do. I'm not uh, revealing any secrets here. Um, so, you know, if, if a tight end is what you want, you've got, you got to go and pay a premium price because, again, one-and-a-half points receptions. If you get 70 catches, that turns into, like, a, you know, equivalent of 105 fantasy points for wide receivers, and, it, and it's definitely uh, something that's appealing, especially if you have some sleepers at running back and wide receiver that you feel you could target later on. So, uh, we're definitely going to see the, the, the panic uh, on the tight ends uh, in an FPC draft. What about, uh, what about uh, you got uh, Henry, uh, Henry and uh, Vince? Yeah, well, we've, at the number three spot, thanks, Mike, for reminding me. Uh, number three is Orman Rose, a Cotrax, Team Cotrax, veteran high-stakes player. You're going to see him in a lot of leagues this year. Uh, Orman is a, is a veteran high-stakes player. Number four, Henry Muto has the four pick. Everybody loves the four this year. Uh, the four is one of those spots where, what do you do, Mike? You just kind of sit back and, and kind of let it go, and especially if you're a running back guy. You're going to sit back and kind of let that guy fall to you. That, that, that four pick gives you a lot of flexibility. I mean, what, what do you do with it? Well, you know, you can have fun with it with a running back, or maybe you can go with that uh, top-tier uh, wide receiver and, uh, you know, take a chance on it. So uh, it, it, it's not a bad spot to be in. The, the only thing there with the four pick that I absolutely love is that you still have that, uh, that option and intrigue there for Andre Johnson. Let's, let's face it, let's, everybody, let's get this out on the table. Andre Johnson is the most elite wide receiver we have in fantasy football right now. Uh, two straight seasons, over 100 catches. Uh, this guy, I listened to an uh, interview with him this morning on Mike and Mike in the Morning, and I'm telling you what, I've never been a, a bigger fan uh, of a wide receiver uh, of Andre Johnson than I am today. If I was at the four, I'm going to be very interested in Andre Johnson. I mean, let's face it, everybody, when you have the four, you, you, usually those running backs are there. Ray Rice is kind of the question mark uh, wide res, uh, running back here at that spot because we don't know how Anquan Bolden's going to affect those catches and those receptions. You've also got Adrian Peterson that may be a question. I could see, I could see Adrian Peterson in some drafts slipping because of the far of uncertainty. You already, he might be losing out on some touchdowns. 
uh, later on in the year once you get that big, nasty running back uh, rookie in the lineup. And you don't know. You, you, you don't have a lot of questions about MJD and uh, Chris well, Johnson. You know, I, I think you got to go for, for the sure thing, in my opinion. I mean, if Ray Rice is there at four, you go Ray Rice. Yeah, well, we'll see. And, and again, let's go on. Number five, Vince Bartman, Greenwood Invincibles. Uh, I, he, he's been uh, he's been in some several drafts this offseason. You've got to check out some of Vince's drafts. Number six is John Duckworth, War Kittens. Uh, another guy that I'm telling you what I've been absolutely uh, fascinated with his drafts this year. I think. Look, this stuff isn't just luck. When you watch a guy and he's in three, four, five drafts throughout this offseason, and every time you look at his team, you're like, man, that's a that's a solid squad. The guy has he's in a zone right now. You gotta you gotta watch what John Duckworth is. I think arguably had the very best out of what Mike eight drafts on the pros versus Joe's draft eight drafts two nights right. two two uh, drafts per night for four straight nights. John Duckworth I think had the best draft of uh, of any of those eight leagues. So you're talking about uh, a lot of competition there. Number seven Lou Tranquilli of BFDFantasy.com. Everybody has uh, gotten to know Lou after the several years of success he's had in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. And to top it all off, last year, nailing the Ray Rice pick. When, some, when, when he's not even on some people's radar, Ray Rice was Lou's uh, breakout player of the year. And uh, if that's, that's an instant uh, fame catcher right there. You nail Ray Rice this year. If you're, if, you're, if you're wanting to know who Lou picked, you've got to log on and uh, become a member of uh, BFDFantasy.com. You've got the coaching tree. You've got all the other uh, – the breakout player and, the, and the, um, the sleeper picks or the comeback player. Those are all um, talked about positions uh, throughout the fantasy circles uh, around here. So uh, Lou Tranquilli at the seventh spot will be interesting to see what he does in that pivotal spot because five and six is what? Gore and Andre in some fashion at seven – I think it's almost the uh, the most difficult spot you have, right? At seven, you, you yeah. Gore and AJ are gone. What do you do now? Six, seven, and eight. Uh, six, seven, and eight is a very difficult spot, and uh, and it's up for grabs. Oh, six, so, I don't think I think six is a no-brainer. Six, yeah, you got you, Gore, Mike. You got Gore or AJ. It's a no-brainer. But you never know. You never know what's what others are going to draft it in in that five sure. and six spot. I, I mean. This draft is the toughest and most difficult, and uh, I won't say most difficult because, you know, you're going to be homers in certain situations because it, there's no real real home runs there. I mean, I don't see any, Scott. Well, uh, again, six is pretty easy in my mind. Seven and eight uh, are the difficult spots. We've got a great chat room tonight. I'm trying to help a couple of guys out here real quick. The draft is getting ready to start. It sounds like what happened was we had a late replacement for the eight hole, so we're getting ready to launch right now, it sounds like. Uh, Donnie T., Donnie Terminiello, uh, Azuri, it will be drafting with us tonight, Mike. So Azuri saves the day, and he is our eight spot. Number nine is Wayne Ellis, Colts fan, had a fantastic year last year. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you play in these high-stakes leagues, the, you know, you've, got, you've got several competitions that are giving away $100,000, $300,000 of the World Championship and uh, the National Fantasy Football Championship with $100,000. You've got all these uh, great contests, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I saw Wayne Ellis at the top of every one of them last year, so there was a, there was a period of time where we thought he could, be, he could have a fantastic special year, and he did have a special year. You don't see that a lot. So Wayne Ellis, again, in a very tough spot there, but uh, – Seven, eight, nine, I think, are the, are, the, are the most difficult spots to draft. Okay, the draft is underway. Gridiron Irishman takes Chris Johnson. Not a big surprise. The draft is underway. And let me, let me run down the rest of this lineup, Mike. Uh, number 10, 
Lenny Papano uh, from DraftSharks.com, uh, the pioneer of the high-stakes industry as we know it. Uh, Lenny and Emil started uh, the World Championship of Fantasy Football uh, back, uh, what, eight, nine years ago when, when it just became an idea uh, to draft in Vegas. Let's see how many guys we can get together uh, that would be interested in ponying up 1500 or two grand, and we'll, we'll have a huge party, kickoff party at the ESPN Zone right on the Strip. We'll draft in a great hotel at the MGM Grand, and let's make this something special. Will people do it? I don't know. Let's guarantee the prize money. They guarantee the prize money, and everybody shows. Mike, I was there. We, uh, Alex was there. Dave was there. All the guys um, that are involved, David Dodds, everybody was, was interested in what is this going to be, and sure enough, it became a rousing success, and I think we had over 600 teams in the first year, Mike. So Lenny Papano from DraftSharks.com definitely knows what's going on in this industry. In, uh, I think in we high got uh, Fantasy Mojo went AP and uh, Money Incorporated. Uh, Coach Andre Rock, Johnson. Uh, Andre Johnson. Yep, sure enough. Andre Johnson is off the board at the three spot. We kind of talked about at it. At the three spot. Here, I'm going to help out a couple of guys in the uh, in the chat room real quick. Just one second. Yep, Andre Johnson oh. is off the board, and we're at the four pick waiting for, uh, you know, we, we've got to think it's got to be MJD. We've got to think it's Gore or Rice, one of those three guys. Uh, Lance uh, Lance is in the chat room. Uh, Lance, you can go ahead and click on that link, and you should be able to hear the sound. We've got a great chat room. Invictus Peasy is in the house, uh, 7.2. Um, Chris Lambert from the FFPC is in the house. G Money, Green Zone, and just uh, Ollie Radballs is here in the house. Let's go on. Uh, number 11 is is uh, is myself uh, and Perry Van Hook. So Scott Atkins and Perry Van Hook, we are Hook's legacy at the 11 spot. I like the 11, Mike, because you can kind of look at that 12 spot, see what they have, what 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 they've drafted, and you can kind of make up your mind at that 11 spot. The 12 pick is Ollie Radakovitz. Uh, Army of Darkness, another high-stakes veteran. Uh, again, that's, this is just a loaded draft from top to bottom. Yep, you're right, Mike. MJD at the four pick. So MJD. the only mild surprise here we have is Andre Johnson at, at the three pick. But really, again, it's not a surprise. He's the best wide receiver in the game. No, it's not that big of a surprise, Scott. But uh, it is a little early, early in my opinion. But, uh, nah. you know, I mean, you've got to take flowers on that, and there goes Frank Gore. Uh, Frank Gore goes to uh, Vince. Yep, Frank Gore is off the board at the five. I'm going to bring on our first guest of the evening, uh, David Dodds from FootballGuys.com. David, thanks for joining Red vs. Blue. What do you think about this draft so far? Already, we already got a few surprises. Uh, Ray Rice sliding all the way to six. <laughs> David, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us and having uh, us be a part of your Football Guys Player Championship in the inaugural year of this contest and event. I'm excited to to pick my first player. Uh, in this thing. And look, Randy Moss is off the board at number seven. Lou Tranquilly taking Randy Moss. We'll definitely be talking about that one here in a second. Um, Actually, David, I'm going to get your take on that right now. Randy Moss at seven. Lou had several options there. Uh, What what do you think about Randy Moss at seven? Yeah, the seven's tough. I mean, I I think you can go in a bunch of different directions. I'm kind of, you know, south on Randy Moss this year. I I just get the feeling that this is probably going to be his last year and I think he somewhat mails it in. We'll we'll have to see see it uh, play out on the field. But I am down on Randy Moss this year. I don't I don't think I would go go in that direction there. Well, let's take a look at the options. I mean, it's it's Michael Turner uh, who doesn't catch the ball. Stephen Jackson with a with a back surgery. Uh, those two running backs you really can't complain. There. So go to the the best wide receiver in in the game. 
some people doubt Reggie Wayne with, you know, what they saw last year kind of tailing off maybe and maybe a change into the guard. You've got all those weapons anyway. I can see why people are a little down on Reggie Wayne. And so then at that point, it's Larry Fitzgerald as your other option. So, I mean, Randy Moss kind of makes sense. It's still Tom Brady's number one target, Mike. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. But uh, I could see going in a different direction, maybe a quarterback. But that's awful early for me to be doing a quarterback. So, uh, you know, Randy Moss, uh, you know, who else are you going to take? Uh, probably the next pick uh, on the clock, Azuri, is probably going to take a run back. Yeah, David, I don't. I, it's very difficult um, for – quarterbacks to go in this group the the the, the group mentality you, you've been a high stakes so player since, since uh i know you, I, we drafted together i think in year three david um in the world championship and quarterbacks we're not known to draft our quarterbacks early no and it's it's as deep a field as ever this year so quarterback's going to go late in this in this uh kind of format uh especially tonight and i think in in most of the leagues you know of this contest all year long so Wait, wait forever on quarterbacks, and around eighth, ninth round is is when probably a lot of them will go. Antonio Gates is off the board, Mike. Our first tight end is off the board. Um, Antonio Gates is to the eight, to the eight spot. Uh, that's our that's Donnie T uh, taking Antonio Gates again. Uh, it, it doesn't take long now. Now I think it's interesting you know, to see the tight ends go this early. And Reggie Wayne goes just now to uh, to Wayne Ellis and. You know, this thing, this whole draft is, uh, it, it's coming together just like a lot of other drafts have. Uh, you don't know what you're, what's going to happen after about the first two or three picks. Uh, David, I, you know, what do you think? I mean, this is really uh, taking shape as kind of weird, just like every, every other draft. And, guys, I'm going to ghost out for a second while I, while I make my pick here, so you guys carry on until I come back. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Mike. I mean, we've got, I mean, the first five or six picks, pretty much normal, and then from about pick seven to, you know, pick 25, it's like there's a whole range of guys that, depending on who you like, seem to go. So it'll be interesting. Like, here's Miles Austin just goes for to number 10. Yeah. You know, we, we see him go as late as the, you know, late second round in a lot of drafts, and here somebody jumps out with him early. So good player. I don't think anybody's questioning the player, just where these guys are going to slot. Yeah, uh, Lenny just got uh, Miles Austin, and uh, so uh, Hook's Legacy, uh, that'd be Scott's team. They're on the clock right now, but uh, uh, I, mean, I mean, these drafts uh, right now, David. I mean, they've become uh, they've become uh, pretty crazy with all the different picks. Uh, you know, you've got a player that's going to be uh, one eleven, and in another draft, he's going to be uh, two eleven. And I see <laughs> right. where uh, Scott, Scott and them took uh, Roddy White. So that's not a that's not a bad pick. No, and you know, so I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, you're you're seeing from about the seventh pick on, it's it's kind of nuts. I mean, some of the t- early tight ends go. Certainly, a whole slew of wide receivers start to go. And here's Larry Fitzgerald at the twelfth pick, right. which yep. could right. could go right. as early as, as seven for a lot of people. So I mean, I, there's a player that kind of slid in this draft, but but he's around that range. And then, then he'll come back with Steven Jackson. Nice job, Ollie. He comes back with uh, Steven Jackson. So he's got uh, Larry Fitz and uh, Steven Jackson. Uh, Steven Jackson on a team that, uh, let's face it, uh, they weren't very good last year. Uh, they haven't been good in a long time, but Steven Jackson continues to uh, hammer down with that team. 
and uh, he has a lot of uh, capabilities and, uh, you know, trust in the organization and the team for it to get better. So, uh, I don't know. That's a pretty good start, Bolly. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, Fitzgerald slid, Steven Jackson slid, and Ollie picked both of them up. So, usually on the corner there, you only usually look for one player maybe to slide. He got two to slide. So, that was uh, that worked out quite well for him. Ollie's a tricky SOB, I'll tell you what, guys, because I had talked to him, and he was he's telling me all this time. I, I'm sitting there. I've, always, I've been telling him I'm going to take Larry Fitzgerald this whole time, and he's like, no, you won't. You won't do it. You won't do it. You know, and he's, he's talking about Leinert and, and – uh, <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's the scary situation with Larry Fitzgerald, right? Who can ruin uh, Larry Fitzgerald? Well, just about the only guy that can, uh, as my, my good partner, Perry Van Hook, said, was, uh, well, Matt Leiner can. You know, uh, So we ended up taking Roddy White. We're very high on Roddy. I think it's a very safe situation for him to be in. Uh, we wanted Miles Austin, to be honest with you. Uh, Miles Austin goes at 10 to Lenny at DraftSharks.com. They're very high on Miles Austin. Uh, they have been all year. And um, uh, so we we were really for our, our hands was was always to take Roddy White there and then to come back uh, if Fitzgerald was there we would take him in the second if not we were going to go Greg Jennings running back was a consideration too uh, you've got Jamal Charles there a lot of teams like you have uh, Michael Turner who's obviously a stud but he just doesn't catch the ball David and now you get these reports what do you think of these camp reports when you hear Michael Turner wants to be involved in the passing game. I usually just don't buy it because until I see the, the system do it, I don't been believe. It's about, been about, what, seven years that he, they said he's going to be more involved in the passing game. hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. So I, I, I don't sense it. Let's bring on, let's bring on my partner uh, in this thing, uh, Perry Van Hook. Perry, we just took Roddy White. And uh, talk about Greg Jennings. This is a guy that you really wanted to see in this spot and – uh, it's not that he—it's not that um, he wouldn't be there. He's been there, but uh, this is a guy you really like this year. Yeah, I mean, I just think that you know Green Bay is going to keep throwing. They're going to keep scoring a ton of points, and it's sort of a matter of guaranteed production because I don't think that the choices um, were that great. Um, I, I would have preferred to get Fitzgerald or Wayne or Moss, but you know got other people that want their picks too so um, we pretty much decided we were going to start wide receiver wide receiver uh-huh. and so the only value there is either finding a running back that that you like or which it wasn't the there best wide receiver yeah I think the only other options for me guys and, and Mike you can comment on this Calvin Johnson was was definitely a consideration for me I mean seeing what he did last year Obviously a little bit scary, only 67 catches, under 1,000 yards, five touchdowns, and he played quite a bit. So there, there's some uncertainty with what that offense is going to be. I, I, I think the offense is definitely going to be better this year. But I, I think like what Perry said is, there's, there, is there is a certain feeling of safety when you've got Aaron Rodgers throwing you the ball, and I think we just, we just kind of played it safe instead of you know, going for the gold. Right, right. And, you know, I can understand that, uh, Scott and Perry. Uh, you know, uh, going with Jennings uh, that time around, I personally, I wouldn't have. Uh, you know, I would have probably gone running back, but uh, then again, I look at the running backs available, and there's not much left. Uh, then again, you know, after Jennings, uh, I maybe would have gone Calvin, but, uh, you know, I can understand uh, I can understand the safety valve with having Aaron Rodgers throwing, but uh, I probably still would have gone Calvin, but 
you know, we'll see what happens. Well, let's look. Lenny Papano at Draft Sharks pairs up Miles Austin with Richard Mendenhall. Again, this is a guy that has guaranteed production uh, ready to go this year. They do draft a running back that's more talented than a sixth-round back. Jonathan Dwyer, he, he will be a, a good player in this league, most believe. But this is still Richard Mendenhall's team this year, especially until Ben Roethlisberger gets back, David. Uh, with with Richard Mendenhall, you're guaranteeing you're not getting shut out of a running back one production, uh, whereas some of these teams that go wide receiver, wide receiver, we've got three teams already that have done this. You, you're going to be um, your running back one is kind of going to be in question. Yeah, but some of these guys, even Mendenhall, I mean, they're going to stack the line while Ben's out, so that's a tough situation. He doesn't catch a lot of balls, so I mean, it's. A lot of the running backs now, I mean, after the first guys go, it starts to get a little gray on exactly how they're going to be used in their offenses. I mean, Turner slides past him as well, another guy that doesn't catch the ball. Jamal Charles just goes at, at pick 20, but he's he's a guy that uh, will will be involved, but, you know, how many touches is he going to see? Is he, Are they going to limit him based on his size? So, you know, the running backs are going to go right now. There aren't the workhorse guys that are going to see 350 touches anymore. So it gets it gets a little dicier. So I kind of understand a pick like Greg Jennings because I think that's assured production. Well, and, and I'll tell you, there's there, there's more more questions this year, Perry, uh, with with some of the big names than we've seen in quite a long time. Look at look at I've got a I've got a list of five names right here that I would defy anybody in 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 the draft in the chat room right now to guess. Within 10 picks, where they think these guys are going to go, you've got Wes Welker, Sidney Rice, no Sean Moreno, Jeremy Macklin, and Brett Favre. These five guys, if anybody can guess within 10 picks these five, where these five guys get drafted, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll throw in an FPA jersey or something. I, it's a very difficult draft to predict those five. You know, Scott, that's why, you know, it is that wide open. And we continue to talk about it, belabor the point. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, your favorite guy might be, uh, you know, 211, 3-1, where in other people's eyes, they might be 2-4-1. I mean, this draft is crazy because there are no real standouts, in my opinion, other than those top four running backs. Why do you think that is this year, David? I, I kind of agree and see what Mike's trying to say. I, I've seen a lot of parity in these drafts this year where LaShawn McCoy, teams are in lo- some teams are in love with him and, and they take him early in the third, and then you know other times he's fallen. And I, I see that with, with quite a few players this year that I'm just like, man, I can't believe. He's, it's all over the map with probably about a dozen or more guys this year. Yeah, well, I mean, McCoy's a perfect example of a guy that – basically he's got a great opportunity. I don't think anybody's questioning his opportunity. Westbrook's now out of that picture. But I think everybody that watched him play said, wow, he isn't that good. So here's a situation. You're not really sure who else they may use there, or maybe they just throw the ball more. But that's the problem is you have some of these players that, you know, Joseph Adai is another one that will be coming up that, that has a huge span of, of where he can go because you look at him and you go, well, well, geez, he just doesn't look that good out there. You know, does Donald Brown overtake him? When does he overtake him? Is this running back by committee the whole year? So you can have a whole span of how you project these players and how you project them is going to be how you draft them. It only takes one guy to really love them and push them way up. But if everybody doesn't love them, he, he finds, you know, you see him slide real hard in some of these drafts. So yeah. I agreed with the five you named, and I can name a bunch more that I think are, are similar to them. Yep, you've got Joseph Adai at 5'3". I mean, here's a guy that's been in the top ten for I don't know how long, and uh, when, when he played last year, you, you thought for sure going into this season Donald Brown's going to overtake him or, 
or be the hot shot, you know, young rookie stud coming in to overtake him and take his job. And Adai's been the injury riddle guy. Well, they just the, the roles reversed on those two, and Adai is the workout. He's the warrior. He's the one that's finishing plays and and, and looking strong. And Donald Brown kind of gets the injury, so he's another hard player to judge. He, if if you wait on a, on your running back, he's the guy that you could target and feel pretty good about. But I think here's some, here's something that I'm seeing Scott right now in this draft is. Uh, you know, uh, Fantasy Mojo, they went ahead and got uh, Jason Witten. So uh, the tight end run, I mean, you know, the tight end run is happening early with this draft. Uh, you know, if you haven't if you haven't gotten a tight end now, then basically do you wait, wait, and wait for round six, seven, and eight? I mean, that's what it's looking like. Yep, we just saw a couple of teams take. Uh, if I have my draft board right, guys, have we just seen um, t- – did Donnie T just take two tight ends, Antonio Gates and Dallas Clark, to start the draft? Right. Okay, that is, did. This <laughs> is this is what the FPC is all about. It gives you the ultimate flexibility to, to, to draft your lineup. And, and let's talk about that for a second. This is the biggest development of the draft, in my opinion, so far. Antonio Gates and Dallas Clark to start the draft. Arguably, the top two tight ends in the draft. Dodds, he might have 300 equivalent points just due to receptions for those two players, those are guys that could catch a hundred balls, and so in this format, it's 150 points apiece. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's a reach, but it's like, is it really a reach? I mean, you, you pretty much think those two tight ends, unless they go down, should have great production. So I think it just forces you to then build your team a little bit differently. But when everybody's going running back, you might build a dodge and go receiver. When everybody might be going receiver, you could go running back. So by just going a different direction from the eighth hole, I think it actually makes a lot of sense. We just saw Ryan Matthews uh, come off the board at 212. Uh, Gridiron Irishman just backed up Chris Johnson with Ryan Matthews, and he also takes Colston. So he uh, he gets a couple guys. Ma- uh, Mike, Ryan Matthews is obviously your guy that you uh, went, took uh, in the pros versus Joe's draft. You've been very high on him. We saw what he did in college. He impressed the scouts uh, right before the draft, and he started flying up draft boards. San Diego, this is a the guy they traded up to get, and you have all these um, – uh, insinuations by uh, Coach Turner that he, they're going to use this guy a lot, and I, I just don't know. I mean, he was predicting like 40 catches or 45 catches and over 200 carries. I mean, that's that's a lo- that's a load for a rookie running back that doesn't really. You haven't seen him. Can he can he catch, can he um, protect the quarterback? Can he do all those right. things that Darren Sproles can do? Uh, not pounding the ball. We know Darren Sproles can't, make, but can he do those third down duties and protect the quarterback? Like you know, it's a Philip Rivers franchise, so you, you've got to do your job there. Right, and you know he may not be able to fulfill those duties in the first uh, first couple of weeks as he gets into the year, as far as uh, going against the the NFL. But uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Ryan Matthews can uh, fulfill those duties as the year comes along. It's a maturation process, and uh, if everything goes well in training camp, uh, you know I don't see any problem at all uh, with him being able to do those kind of duties. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. We probably uh, our phone lines are already jammed for the uh, the first half of this show as we're commentating, obviously. But we're going to try to get to some callers here a little later in the draft. We want to cover as many of these first few rounds that we can uh, and give you as in depth of a strategy look uh, that we that uh, you know this draft is showing to us. Now uh, we we want to see what you see out of this draft. But look, Wayne Ellis, Colts fan again, another team that takes wide receiver, wide receiver. He goes Reggie Wayne and Calvin. Very similar strategy to what we did, Roddy White and Greg Jennings. I mean, it's basically the same. You've got Lou Tranquilli, BFD, Randy Moss, and Brandon Marshall. 
both of those guys. Look, the thing that I see with Randy Moss, David, is he has three bye weeks this year. You're, you're taking on Darrell Revis uh, twice, and yeah, you've got exactly. the bye. That's going to be very well, difficult. another tight end. What do, you, what do you think about Lou taking uh, – are, are you a little worried when you see two wide receivers on the same bye? You've got Lou that has two with bye week five and Wayne that with two with bye week seven. Are you worried about that? Well, there's two, two uh, schools of thought there. It's like if, you, if that's the best player, at some point you may just load up more on that bye week and, and give that game up. So, I mean, it, I mean, it depends, you know. It's like – but in, a, in a, this kind of format where it's kind of a race to 12 weeks – uh, I think you ought to try to spread out your bye weeks a little better. Yeah, uh, this is that is an important uh, aspect of an FPC draft. And again, they're still taking signups for these. They're, this is one of the early drafts, giving you an early look at the ADP. Uh, the top prize in the Football Guy Players Championship right now is guaranteed at fifty thousand. Let's talk about that for a second, David, because everybody wants to know. You have that progressive uh, pool. You published it from day one. Was that an important? Uh, uh, was that an important step for this contest? Because you don't see that a lot to. to broadcast what you're going to do as the entries grow yeah and and i that was just something as we decided to get into the game obviously a team with the great guys over at ffpc that was what we thought was one of the things that was really missing is like okay if we're going to go progressive you're going to say you're going to raise the price pool that's what it always becomes well where are you going to if there's there's 10 more entries where are you going to put the money and where's it going right. to be and you just get all this noise and say man let's let's go out there and publish this giant list so everybody can go down and say oh wow they're going to add the prize pool to the top and here they're going to add it to you know 10 more spots lower and they're going to do and and i i thought just again disclosure you know this is what we're all about in virtually everything we do ffpc as well and uh, let's just put it on the table. This is what we're gonna, how we're going to play it and see if people are interested in playing. So let's talk about reasonable expectations here. Uh, you guys have already have over 400 signups. I think that was the last time I saw it. Um, where do we stand right now? And just gut feeling, we're not going to hold you to it, but where do you see this thing going by the time uh, the, NFL, uh, the NFL season kicks off? We're at 4.30 today. We're gaining about 15 to 20 a day right now, pretty early August. I mean, how much higher can it go? I don't really know. You know, we've got uh, Alex, who's pretty good at judging these kind of things. He's He's been on record from the start of this thing saying it's going to come in around 900. I said I think it's going to come in closer to 1,200, so let's hopefully we're in between those two numbers. And I don't have that in front of me, David. What would that mean for a, what would that mean for a, a progressive payout uh, at, at those levels? Is at, that a, at twelve at twelve hundred because we because we start adding more you know more positions everything else so the top prize will be seventy five thousand if we actually get above twelve hundred teams all the money above twelve hundred will put it all to the top prize so the top prize will start growing like wildfire if we actually get above twelve hundred so that's been the strategy all along so but we wanted to pay deeper and and you know also have more money for uh, some of the other different prize pools the uh, you know the I can't even think of the words right now. The, the when you lose and you're in the other brackets or whatever. So we we, we just kept floating money. Yeah, all the all the all the other parts of it. But I think if we get to 1,200 teams, we'll freeze probably that and start putting all the money towards the very top. So sky's the limit. <laughs> yeah, and we are seeing exactly what we predicted for everybody in the chat room and everybody watching at home. Uh, we have seven tight ends off the board by pick three six. I can't believe. You no, have Brent Selleck, Tony it. Gonzalez, Vernon Davis, all those guys, Mike, they're off the board by 3-6. So like we thought, uh, Perry and I talked about this, and Perry, if you're still on here, we, we said, look, we want a stud tight end, but we're not going to pay a 2-2 to get it. And so we said, well, we're not going to get one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There'll, there'll be a lot of value 
in the in the later tight end. You hope. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'll tell you what, there's, there's one out there right now that you guys better scoop up uh, real quick before this uh, before this run ends. Well, Cluis and Mike, uh, there's no strangers. There's no strangers here. We're we're all. Uh, we're don't talk about Keller. players before. I'm not going to talk about players before they're drafted, but I, uh, you know who it is. I know you love Ben Watson, and I'm not drafting him. That's not it. Come on. Mike loves the updates every morning, and when he reads about Jake Delhomme hooking up with Ben Watson, he, he, he gets excited. Oh, okay. That's not now, here's a guy off the board. Look, I think another interesting development, just uh, we, we saw Jermichael Finley, Brent Selleck, and Andre Johnson uh, for Orman Rose at the three pick. He takes A.J. first. That's a, that's a newsworthy. Then he comes back with Finley and Selleck. Completely not worried about his running backs. We'll have to see how that turns out. But if he can assemble two quality starters week in and week out, or at least one and then do a rotating thing playing matchups, that is, a, that is an amazing – I mean, that's an awesome strategy to get two tight ends of that caliber, Finley and Selleck. I mean, everybody, I don't know about you guys, but I'm targeting Selleck just about everywhere I can in these drafts if, if, if he falls to me and, and, I can, and it's the right, I'll take him. I mean, here's a guy who's rooming up with Kevin Cobb throughout the offseason last year, and, and this is a guy you know is going to be a big part of Philadelphia's offense. Mike, I know you like Brent Selleck. Yeah, I, I do like Brent Selleck, uh, but I'm, I still have a hard time uh, drafting a tight end or a quarterback very early. Uh, that's just you know, I, that's my strategy, and, uh, you know, somebody's going to have to break me of it. Yeah. Well, and you don't well, have to break it. You don't have to, you don't have to mess with that uh, philosophy here in a, in a FPC draft either, David. No, well it's, well, it's pretty funny. I mean, we, we see the panic, and, and everybody says, oh, i got to get one of these elite tight ends. But ask yourself last year, where was Jermichael Finley drafted? Where was Vernon Davis drafted? So now these guys are atop the board, but last year they weren't atop the board. So there's value at tight end. You've got you to gotta search a little harder, and if you can find that value super late and store up all these other normal players that are kind of dropping, you could you know, build yourself a stellar team that way as well. So. David, I'm going to drop off here. I want you and to carry, if, carry I mean, through this break while I, while I make my pick with Perry. Okay. okay, and and one one thing about it, David, is the big if is if Favre plays, uh, that makes uh, Shianko, uh a much better viable option. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's another tight end uh, out there that uh, I think that uh, Scott and Perry are probably going to take out of Oakland. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean. I, so that's that's kind of where it's at right now, but there's not you know not much value left at tight end. Um, right. I think you'll see a lot of the, a lot of this draft go away from tight end and start scooping up running backs and receivers here shortly. Yeah. Now the only the only question. But then again, uh, they could just go ahead and uh, they went ahead and took uh, Sean Green, which a uh, nice pick. They took Sean Green. Uh, I can't uh, can't go against that. And so their so their their thought process right now though, David is. Okay, well, the tight ends are gone. Nobody else wants any tight ends. Uh, we can hold off and wait on the tight end, and let's go ahead and get Sean Green. Yeah, I think so. Well, and I think you're going to see most of the most of the people that went out and got their tight ends got them. And, uh, I mean, they'll still keep coming off the board, but not nearly at the frantic pace we've seen so far. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree, David. I mean, I mean, it went nuts there for a while, and uh, so I'm – so I think the tight end run may be done, uh, and uh, the tight end and quarterback run may be done. 
He got Chad Ocho Cinco. He just went off. Uh, so uh, to Army of Darkness. So uh, he's still quite a team over there. <laughs> we could be seeing a uh, wide receiver running back uh, run and uh, everybody falling asleep on the quarterback. And but of course, uh, you know I see some quarterbacks like your uh, Shobs and uh, players like that. You know they're going to be going in later rounds anyway. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's maybe, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would think that. I mean, that's what it looks like this, this draft is lining up towards. Okay, I'm back. Would... Good pick. I'm back. I got my boy, Sean Green. I'll take him. Listen, Sean I Green. I saw that. I saw that. And there, there, you know there's what? no I difference. What, I, uh, David and I, we were talking about it, and we didn't know if you guys were going to uh, go down that tight end path or not, but uh, you, you, stood, you guys stood past – Stood Pat and said, "Hey, we're going to take your guy, and that's it." Well, look, you have a philosophy here. Most, I mean, you could take two running backs and try to come back with two wide receivers, but I think we agree the wide receivers are elite in the beginning of the draft, and then the running backs have the potential to be elite uh, in the third and fourth. And to see Sean Green here, I, I was just, I'm, I'm fanatical about Sean Green this year. Now it's, uh, it's apparent to everybody taking him in the FPC draft at 311. Uh, I, I love that spot for him. Uh, Michael Turner type, it. Michael Turner type mold here, but a very powerful back in this offense that produced how many carries last year? 600 carries in the Jets' offense. I mean, let's say conservatively that with the firepower they added and just plain old you know deviation here, they're they're going to go down to 500 carries, right? That sounds about right. If if they go down to 500 carries, how many do you see for LT? How many does he have left in the tank, David? 200. Uh, I think LT shot. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not convinced. I mean, a lot of people want to blame that on the offensive line. I'm not one of those people. He looked, he looked awfully old last year, and I don't see that. Now, admittedly, he gets a better line and a lot of other things, and maybe they nurse him for some carries, and maybe he's the goal line guy. But I don't see a lot left in the tank there. I think it's the Sean Green's offense. Absolutely. You know, if, if Sean Green is getting 300 carries this year, uh, he averaged like four and a half last year, that team is better with a better wide receiver spread offense. Uh, they've got some great wide receivers now that are going to be coming into the fold, albeit a little bit late with San Antonio Holmes. And you've got a better defense. And So if you have a better defense, you're going to get the ball back more. <laughs> right, uh, exactly. You, if you get the ball back more, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're still Rex Ryan team. You're going to ground and pound, and you're going to get in the red zone. Those touchdowns, uh, now the touchdowns is one area where I could see them utilizing LT quite a bit. Just, to, he, you know, he's, he, he's got a knack for the end zone. Well, he used to. Last year, though, I drafted him, and over and over and over again, he's getting stuffed behind that offensive line. <laughs> right, yeah. He, he, didn't, he, didn't look, uh, he didn't look that do- dominant last year on the goal line. but. Well, Scott, I want to make sure you didn't take your hand there, uh, you and Perry, as far as uh, what you may do with LT later on. Well, again, look, we we wanted we wanted Sean Green here. If we if if he if if he wasn't here, I wasn't going to be totally depressed. But because 311 is a little reach for, in my opinion, to expect him to be there. Um, but when you look at that offense and that many carries, you've got to be happy. I love what Draft Sharks is doing right now. Lashawn McCoy and Anquan Bolden at the three four turn for Lenny Papano here. Uh, I, Lenny, well, let me has, ask you. Go ahead, Mike. Well, Scott, let me ask you this. I know we're kind of run up against each other. Uh, would you rather have Sean Green or Pierre Thomas? Because Pierre Thomas just went off the board. Well, what, Mike, have you been drinking? 
mean, no. he drafted he drafted John Green and Chris Wells before Pierre Thomas. I drafted them. I drafted them both before Pierre Thomas. So, uh, I, I guess I guess the answer to that question is yeah. I'd rather have Sean Green. I mean, look, Pierre Thomas uh, is a guy that could be an absolute number one running back in this league if if what right if he can stay healthy and he hasn't been able to show us that he can do that and stay on the field for a consistent amount of time. It seems like nicks and dings and bruises for this guy mean more than a lot of the proven running backs. I'm not saying Sean Green's proven, um, but for Pierre Thomas, it just scares me because we've seen so much of the body of work from him with injuries that it just scares me. And then you've got a talented Reggie Bush. When you look at Reggie Bush or LT, I'll take, I'll take Reggie Bush on my offense all day long over LT. So I think Reggie's a, a bit more of a threat than LT is to take away from Pierre Thomas. So um, he takes like Pierre Thomas and Drew he takes Pierre, Andrew, Breeze, uh, that's Wayne Ellis, taking Reggie Wayne, Calvin, Breeze as his quarterback, and Pierre Thomas. So he's obviously getting a part of the Saints. But let's go back to Lenny real quick and finish this point, David. LaShawn McCoy, he's very high on LaShawn McCoy this year. Obviously by what Philadelphia did this year in the offseason, which is nothing except bringing in a journeyman, Mike Bell, they, they by that admission are saying what? LaShawn McCoy is the guy in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, he still could get pulled for the goal line, maybe for Bell, maybe for, you know, Weaver. Uh, he just didn't look very good to me. And now, middly, you know, you can learn a lot in a, in a year and, and know the playbook better and everything else. He just he just did not look that good of a player to me. So we'll, we'll see. Um, he wasn't real good in pass protection either. You got it now, you know, Cole back there who needs pass protection. So I, we'll see how this whole thing shakes out. I, again, I'm not super sold today on McCoy. But on the same token, I mean, he, he enters a perfect situation in a pass offense that we've seen Westbrook just go crazy on. So to get him this late uh, could be a steal of the draft. You know, I mean, it's, it's again, which McCoy do we see out there? I think, I think uh, Alex uh, put, it, put it best one, one time when he was on the show and we were talking about LaShawn McCoy. There's a statistic out there that basically says, hey, for the most part, it's a, it's a very high probability. If you catch 50 balls in a point-per-reception league, you're a top-10 back. And we all know that Philadelphia is predicated upon passing the ball to the running backs. Now, that was always Donovan McNabb's – I mean, that was his fallback pillow, right? He, he would always you know, right. toss those little dumps to, to, to Brian Westbrook and let him go. And if we see that again, LaShawn McCoy gets those 50 catches, the question is how many carries is he going to get? I mean, are we, are we looking at a situation where he's a Timmy Hightower, where he's getting those receptions but he's not getting the carries? Because if he's not getting the carries – Great chance he's not getting the touchdowns. Uh, I mean, I could see Pierre, I could see LaShawn McCoy with maybe like five touchdowns in the season. And if he gets that with 50 catches, well, he's going to need a good 250 carries to be a top 10 back, right? Right. So uh, that, that's one thing I'm a little worried about, like you said. But then he picks up Anquan Bolden, David. And to get Anquan Bolden in the fourth round, when we're talking about a perennial, what we've always thought of as a number one wide receiver, you know, albeit he had. Kurt Warner throwing him the ball, but for years Anquan Bolden has been an elite wide receiver. He goes to a new team. Fourth round, though, that's a lot of value. We're down on him, too. <laughs> I'm not trying to rag on Lenny's team here. I still think Derek Mason will be the number one guy there. I mean, team wide receivers have switched teams, notoriously have, have a hard time. And, I mean, Anquan Bolden will be an efficient receiver, but, again, you're in a situation where Baltimore loves to run the ball. That's mostly a run offense. Um, I don't see that changing overnight, even though I, I, you know, we, we are projecting a, a bit more of a passing attack this year. But still, your situation that, I mean, it looks a lot better. It's a lot better pass attack, but how many balls can go around? I mean, Ray Rice is going to catch a bunch. 
Derek Mason's not going anywhere. He knows that offense like the back of his hand. And, in fact, probably will draw softer coverage now with Bolden over there. So I, it's a situation I wouldn't take him there. I, I mean, I certainly understand people saying I just don't think it's the same situation where Warner could find the ball deep downfield for Bolden. Well, we just saw a couple of interesting picks here. I want to comment on it. Um, uh, Wayne, Wayne, uh, we, we had just talked about, took Pierre Thomas. It was followed up by Peyton Manning from Donnie T. Now, Peyton Manning, he has, he has two tight ends, Sidney Rice and Peyton Manning. He still doesn't have a running back. Now, you would have to think a team like that is going to be depending on a Forte or a Jacobs or a, or a you know, one of these running backs. Uh, who's another Justin Forte? Well, someone, somebody that's going to carry the ball. You've got to piece this together something there. Lou Tranquilli with three wide receivers, I think it's an absolute steal, although it's not a sexy pick. Like in, we, we, we think about these guys with unlimited upside. He doesn't have that. But Ryan Grant, there's nobody safer in this draft than Ryan Grant in the fourth round. I mean, in that offense, uh, the type yeah, that's of production. A, that's, a, that's, a brilliant, that's a brilliant pick right there. I mean, that's, he started out receivers and comes up with Ryan Grant. That's super solid. Oh, I don't care if you absolutely hate Ryan Grant. I mean, 280 carries last year, 11 catches. He's involved in the passing game. He's getting the goal line. And, he's, and, he's, and he's, you know, they talk about relieving him for third downs, but he's still in there on some third downs. So you bring in a rookie, Starks, and you have um, Brandon Jackson. These are not guys that are threats to Ryan Grant right now in this stage of his career. He's a, he's a leader on that team right there with Rodgers and Driver and Jennings, and, and now you add Finley to that mix. I mean, this is, a, this is a potent team. To get Ryan Grant in the fourth after you've just went three wideouts, uh, man, you've gotta, he's got to be loving life right now. Yeah, well, that's the perfect kind of anchor to get to. It's not a player – he's sliding into this, in this draft, but that's somebody that's a solid anchor. You can you count on him playing him every week, so – we have a Wes Welker alert in the fourth round. Ormond wow. Rose takes Wes Welker to pair up with Andre Johnson, Jermichael Finley, and Brent Selleck. David, that's, um, let's see, that's, well, now we're up to 500 catches right now, basically, for the first four <laughs> guys in Ormond's draft. What do you think about this philosophy? I think Welker's one of those guys we're drafting now where he's afraid to take him. I think by the time the season starts, he's going to keep inching up the draft board. The fact that he's already taken contact drills, I mean, it's it's a miracle, but it's it's a miracle. It looks like he's going to play. So I don't think it's one of those situations we can all talk about his injury. But, yeah, I think he's he's building a, a powerhouse team. If Welker turns out to be the second-round guy, he probably ends up being at the start of the year, which I have a feeling he's going to keep sliding up these drafts. He's just not a guy I can draft this year. Um, it, it's hard. I mean, we, we just have too much body of evidence of other players that haven't been able to bounce back from this. But, I mean, it's amazing that he's even running – He's out there running and taking contact. I don't think anybody thought it could happen. Well, right. And is this a risk? Is this a is this an unnecessary risk? Would be the question. I mean, you're the New England Patriots. I know you're hungry to get back to where you once were. You have a very sour taste in your mouth after what Baltimore did to you in the playoffs. And you, you like to think that Tom Brady is still one of the uh, best quarterbacks in the league, and, and that the Patriots can rebound and still take advantage of the the last few years that Brady will be there. But if you don't bring Wes Welker back this year, you're looking at uh, two years now. Um, I, I just don't know where that defense is going to be. Are they in a rebuilding stage in that defense? You know, it's just a lot of questions. I think, I think this is a classic case of pushing a player a little too fast. Now, I know, I know he's got a lot of heart, and this kid loves football, but you get the wrong hit, the wrong tackle, the, the, the wrong twist, the wrong push-off. Something's going to happen where an injury, I, I don't know, it's just a, it's just a 
scary situation. Perry, would you do it? Have, have you taken him in any draft? Uh, no, but um, I haven't drafted for several weeks, so that all this new information has sort of, I think, you know, pushed him up. And as David said, you know, if he's still healthy, by the time we get to September, um, you know, it'll be a third-round pick. Well, and and that's why we draft in these early drafts, Dodds, is we, we like to – you like to think that you can get one up on your competition and be able to grab those guys before they go off because, let's face it, you know, we saw Jav- Javid Best go here in the fourth round. I can talk about him freely. I mean – yeah, I love Javid Best, and I think he's going to do great. But when we get to the preseason, right, it's not going to take long uh, before if, if one of these guys like Javid Best or Jamal Charles, one of these guys breaks a big one in preseason, oh, Best yeah, are off. Over. It's over. Yeah, exactly. And I, I saw that guy live play a couple of times. I live close to Cal, and that, guy, that guy's money. I, I mean, he, he might be undersized. Maybe he gets dinged. Maybe he can't complete the year. But I think when he's on the field, uh, he's, a three, he's, he's Chris Johnson speed. He is fast. So we'll see. I mean, I, I, yeah, he's exactly the kind of player that he could bust one in preseason. <laughs> and it's like, well, there goes that pick. Because I think a lot of people are expecting him to land, you know, deep in the fourth round and kind of planning their strategies that way. And I could easily see him sliding up to be a third-round pick easily. Well, and you have hey, to wonder Scott, if uh, – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing a quarterback run starting. Uh, Brady and Romo – uh, let's face it; uh, they got some real good, uh, real good value uh, at where they did. And uh, Joseph Adai just went off uh, right now. But uh, you know, I, I'm looking at the quarterbacks, and you know, either push the button there in the first couple rounds, or you don't. And if you don't, you're going to end up with Brady and Romo. But if you get them in the right spot, just like what they did just now, uh, that's going to make you feel pretty good. That's huge value in the fifth round. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't care what your scoring system is. That's huge value on two guys you don't have to really worry about at all. Yeah, yeah Tom Brady in the pros versus Joe's drafts uh, went on an average draft position of four eleven, and Tony Romo went at five two. So right about I, they they haven't moved much from that point, and that was a draft masters format. So it's probably even a little bit more important in a draft like this when you have to start somebody every week, and you don't have the luxury of just taking the best you know, available from a group of two or three. So I think they got even better value than they could have possibly imagined seeing Tom Brady and Romo. I mean, look, you, you pay a fifth-round price for Brady or Romo. Why would you ever pay a second- or third-round price for Breeze or Rodgers? I mean, yeah, that's, that's the argument for the most part. I mean, I think, I think, you know, both Romo and Brady could lead the league. So, I mean, here you're in a situation where, you know, maybe they're not the favorites to lead the league, but certainly Romo and the offense he's built there, uh, you got to think he's going to put up some huge numbers. We're listening to uh, David Dodds from FootballGuys.com. He's joined us tonight. Uh, also, my co-host Michael Trent and uh, Perry Van Hook, my partner in this draft, my partner in crime on this uh, on this evening, where we are we are debuting the Football Guys Players Championship. Uh, this is our live commentary, pick by pick draft, uh, and it's uh, we're, we're having one one heck of a time here watching these strategies kind of unfold. Look, we've seen a little bit of everything in this draft. Uh, let, let's go back to. What we're getting ready to see here, John Duckworth uh, has, is on the clock, War Kittens, with 40 seconds to go. Let's look at his draft and see if we can predict what he's going to do. Ray Rice, Michael Turner, Vernon Davis, and Deshaun Jackson. You would think you need to get your other wide receiver here to get him into the fold, Dodds, because if you don't, I don't – I mean, it, it, you have to start two every week. Yeah, that's, that's where he's looking. I mean, I'm sure he would have loved to have seen uh, Romer or Brady slide here. That didn't happen. He'll be looking wide receiver, I'm sure. 
And so what do we, what do we see here? We've got uh, Sims Walker. We've got a uh, questionable Jeremy Macklin. Look, I don't know what this injury is all about. It's a day-to-day -day with a bone bruise, uh, a knee injury. This is a guy that I was high on, but now with an injury, man, it just makes it so difficult to draft him at any point with the questions that surround. These injuries, in, 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 you know, before we get to the preseason you're, and you're getting dinged up, yeah, there's a great chance that you heal up and you're, and you're ready to go. But these are things also that can linger, too. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not an expert on injuries, but I usually just avoid them. And I'm like, okay, there, <laughs> right. there's got to there's be somebody better. So yeah, this he, is this is a, who did he he hasn't selected yet. This is a yeah. tough tough spot. I'm kind of looking. I, there's another player. I think he could he could possibly go for right here. That's that's not a wide receiver. He he. It looks like um. It looks like maybe he had to maybe he got disconnected. So we're we're sitting here at five six. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna take a, a recap of this draft here real quick. We've got uh, several teams, five teams that already have five players on the board. Um, we've got Greenwood Invincibles, Vince Bartman. Let's take a look at this team. We haven't we haven't talked about it a lot, but he, he did land Javid Best in the fourth. He brought in Frank Gore and Jamal Charles in the second. So that those three running backs are very potent. They all catch the ball. I could see easily those guys catching 50 or 60 balls apiece. He pairs them with Tony Gonzalez, who's, who he took over Vernon Davis, and that's a little bit interesting. Um, but, but it's steady. You, you don't have to worry about it. He, he's going to be there. You don't have to worry about what Tony Gonzo is going to do after a year of success. Vernon Davis has had one year. Does he have the same drive, intensity, desire to, to keep pushing that, that got him there? I think Mike Singletary is the type of leader that you, that you want leading a guy like Vernon Davis, but that's another story. Dwayne Bowe, he gets in the fifth. I know a lot of people have been liking Dwayne Bowe, and, and to me I think he's been climbing up on some draft boards based on some prognosticators here. Uh, Dwayne Bowe in the fifth round after a, a, a disappointing year last year with Matt Castle. David, Dwayne Bowe is somebody that still has that – Big upside uh, when, oh, when, huge, you, when you think huge, about what Huge upside. And, and the, also, the other thing you have to understand, I mean, Kansas City's not going to be a good defensive unit. They're, they're probably going to be playing from behind. You've got to expect them to be throwing the ball a lot. So he's essentially locked down with Dwayne Bowe, the best receiver on the team, and Jamal Charles, which will be the, the best kind of spread back. He's going to get a lot of receptions on offense, if nothing else, just from this team playing from behind. Yeah, and that's a, it's a very good-looking schedule for uh, a second-year Matt Castle. Uh, to take advantage of. I think what they had four, I was doing the research, they had four Workins wins took who I thought he might go with, was with Matt Schaub, which was pretty much the last of really kind of the elite quarterbacks. Yeah, we finally got to see what uh, his selection is, and it's Matt Schaub. Yeah, it is the last, it's the last one of, of that tier. If I know a lot of guys, some of the most successful drafters use tiers, and and to be able to get him at the end of that tier is, is kind of what you want to do. I mean, you don't want to take the first of any tier. You want to take take the last, uh, you know, before you come back. So it's it's uh, very interesting to see him load up load up on a, a tight end and a quarterback in the first five rounds. We have two teams doing that so far, and that really means – you know what that means? That means you have to really nail your picks later on in the draft. It, it doesn't give you the luxury that waiting on your quarterback and tight end does. Now, it gives you the points. It gives you an automatic point edge if those quarterbacks and tight ends produce like you think they will, but you really have to nail your other picks. You have to be exactly right. You can't make a lot of misses. And the funny thing is, when you look at these teams, I mean, you'll look back on your draft boards. You ever do this, Dodds? You, you go back and you look at your draft boards, and you're like, I missed four of my first eight picks. <laughs> right. How exactly. do you do that when, you, when they look like such money? I mean, it just happens. <laughs> Offenses change, pers you know, players change, injuries happen. And before you know it, you were, you, you were taking chances that you thought looked pretty solid, and then four of them bust, you know. Well, you can't do that and expect to win a league. 
No, but I think Matt Schaub's a good pick there. I mean, he's he was really the last of the good quarterbacks, you know, without really any questions. I mean, I mean, some of these other guys have some high upside, but but little tougher to play each week. Matt Schaub's somebody you play pretty much plug in every week. Well, gang, look, we're going to take a quick uh, quick break. Uh, we, we've got uh, we've got to take care of a little bit of business. I've got a pick that I have to make here in just a minute, so we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, get a get a get a quick drink, and we'll be right back in just a minute. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Okay, everybody, we're back with the live coverage of the Football Guys Players Championship Draft. Thanks for tuning in to Red vs. Blue, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. We've also uh, joined by David Dodds of FootballGuys.com. Thanks, David, for joining us tonight on this, uh, on this evening where we're, we're getting a, a close look and a public look at a Football Guys Players Championship Draft live in progress. Again, this top prize is a guaranteed at least $50,000. Uh, you can purchase these teams for uh, three fifty a team, I believe, and you have a three pack special. You want to tell everybody about that? Yeah, three pack for a thousand dollars. That also gets you a Football Guys subscription. And uh, best of luck. 
Well, we just saw a couple of tight ends come off the board here, Mike. We really wanted Zach Miller. Yeah. That was the name that we've. Uh, we, we, we I, knew, I knew you were. I knew you were kicking the kicking something. <laughs> well, yeah, you we, know, yeah. while you were on uh, while you were on break just uh, a little while ago, uh, going going over your uh, other pick, uh, I was telling David, I was like, man, uh, I kind of did the old uh, name drop of uh, Zach Miller. So I saw he took uh, uh, Kellen Winslow. So that's not bad. That's not bad, and uh, Owen Daniels, uh, uh, he just went too. So uh, we're going to see who all he takes, and then uh, then you guys will be back up on it. Yeah, it's a necessity pick, obviously. Um, when you when you get to, when you get this far in the draft, because you you you, don't, you definitely don't want to be uh, one of the teams that miss out on that completely. We have questions about Shanko and Favre. We don't know what's going to happen there. We have questions about Heath Miller. Obviously, he's going to be involved in the offense, but. Is he going to be on the line a little bit more now with that with the with the loss of the of the line line help there? And uh, I mean, what do you have? You got to take a chance on a Chris Cooley. I mean, Carlson. All these guys are are kind of in that tier, but I think Winslow just is a notch above that tier. So I, I think we're right there at the end. I think Winslow and I, I think you could say Daniels, if healthy, uh, is at the end of that tier. And so you know you, you leave that for the guys like Lenny. You got Lou still needs a tight end, and uh, you know Gridiron Irishman. These guys are going to have to get their tight end eventually. Uh, coming up here soon. So, no, Sean Moreno is off the board. Thank goodness he's off the board because I didn't want to have to take him, David. <laughs> right. I was going to say he was he was he was due right about now too. So, I oh. think that's a good selection though. I think I think that selection will be yeah, worth, worth a lot towards the end of the year. Uh, I see. Uh, I see, Scott. Uh, you, you guys, uh, you and Perry took uh, Pierre Dorsan. Uh Tell me about that pick. I mean, that's. Uh, you know that's not that's not bad. Uh, who else were you looking at? Well, there wasn't uh, there wasn't a lot else we were looking at. Mike uh, Pierre Garcon, obviously living here in Indianapolis, we get to see every every one of the Colts games uh, here locally. And you know Pierre made made a lot of boneheaded plays. I'm not going to discount that. He made a lot of mistakes. I think he led the league in penalties. I mean, okay, he, he's got to learn some things about that offense, especially if you want to be a top target of Peyton Manning's, and he's going to expect that from you. Um, you didn't see the, the targets that you'd like to see. What, what you're seeing in Pierre Garçon is raw talent. That's what you see with Pierre Garçon. You don't, you don't see the huge involvement in the offense yet. Uh, you, you also bring back Anthony Gonzalez. That's another question mark for Garçon. But I actually think that's a question mark for Austin Colley and what he's going to do there because Colley's the slot. I think, I think Gonzalez fits naturally into the slot um, for – um, for the rest of this upcoming year. I don't know where he'll be in another year. I don't know if Reggie Wayne's going to stick around. But I think Garcon showed me what I think a lot of us saw, and that was just pure playmaking ability. He can do a little bit of everything. He's got the strength and power uh, to get off of some of these corners, some of the most more powerful uh, number two corners. And you got Reggie Wayne already on the other side. So when, when you're talking about games you know, like uh, against some of the top corners in the league, I think Peyton Manning had a tendency just to look Garcon's way and, and he kind of locked on to him on several occasions. I don't know how many Colts games did you watch, David? You have him pretty low in your guys' rankings this year. Yeah, we're. I, I'm still a pretty big believer in Anthony Gonzalez. I mean, obviously, we need to see him play, see if he's really back. Um, I, I mean, I think the, the the Colts were absolutely depending on Anthony Gonzalez, and that was a freak injury, and that. But but he got the full year. I mean, essentially, he went down week one, so he's got yeah. the full year to kind of recover. So I, I still expect him to come back. I mean, Garcon was very raw, dropped a lot of balls. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly a talent there. There's certainly a raw. And, you know, Peyton Manning's going to throw his 4,000, 4,500 yards passing, so somebody's going to catch the ball. Um, 
I mean, I think Wayne is actually looks to me like he's actually losing a bit of a step. It might not matter because Peyton Manning is so good. Uh, may not show for a few years, but so Garcon easily could be. I mean, this time of the draft, I mean, he's the kind of player that you you start you know trying to project what could happen. Well, Garcon, I mean, at the end of the year, we might say he's a top five receiver. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't be all that shocking. You know, he surpasses Wayne. But I still think Anthony Gonzalez, that's the big unknown right now. I have a feeling our draft board will move a little bit more as we see that really play out. Well, again, uh, no Sean Moreno, I think, is the interesting pick of the sixth round as we start this uh, this second half of the draft here uh, on red versus blue. No Sean Moreno at 6-1. Um, the injury here, we don't know exactly – this Denver, it's, it's like a shade out of a, a, a page out of Belichick's playbook here. You don't know what's going on. What kind of injury does he have? They in the middle of the night, they they grab it, they get this trade for Lendell White, and he goes off. Buckhalter goes off. There's just and now you've got Doomerville going off. What's going on with the Broncos? All these injuries. Moreno is one of these guys, though. Just not too long ago, we were seeing him being drafted in the second round, and you look, <laughs> right. at, you look at his strength of schedule. I mean, it looks it looks really nice. It looks favorable. You've got a guy who, in his in his first year, didn't light the world on fire. He didn't have, I think I saw a stat where he didn't he didn't have a single run over 20 yards or or maybe just one. It, it was it was very lackluster, but he got a lot of work. I mean, 28 receptions, 250 carries, and and close to 10 touchdowns. That, those numbers have to improve if he's healthy. So the question, and his yards per carry was down. So the question is. What is this injury? What's it all about? David, you guys have all the updates and alerts. Have you heard anything spe- specifically about Moreno? Well, it's, it's, I mean, they, they were so, so much counting on him, so it's, it's a devastating loss. I mean, we're hearing the same thing. What are they saying, four to six weeks? It certainly sounded more than a four-week injury to us. So I, this is probably about where he goes, maybe he slides even further in some drafts. Again, he could be somebody who's just a, an absolute stud, you know, towards the end of your season. But, again, in this kind of contest, it's kind of a race for 12 weeks. Is that a player you really want to put a lot of your, your money on? I think he starts sliding a little bit further as, as camps keep going on and, and the timetable likely stretches out. 347-324-5404 is the number. Uh, again, we're at the Football Guys Players Championship. We are drafting in the sixth round. Uh, we've got a little bit of a running back run going on here with Ronnie Brown, Reggie Bush, and Bradshaw off the board. Uh, Lou pairs his four dominant wide receivers uh, with Ryan Grant and Ahmad Bradshaw. You got to like those two running backs as uh, one heck of a value in the fourth and the sixth round. Bradshaw has all the potential in the world, but for some reason it doesn't seem like he can he can put it together over a consistent period of time. It seems like there was always something bringing him off the field. Uh, it seemed like he was the much better back to Jacobs, but again, in the New York Giants offense, you expect a couple of backs to get just a ton of carries. Uh, Jacobs still had 220 carries to Bradshaw's 160, so I, I'm not ready to appoint or or anoint Ahmad Bradshaw as the successor there. When when you thought last year would be it, I think that offensive line had some real issues last year. I spoke to a lot of Giants fans, and they were really upset and disappointed about that offensive line. And it seemed like every time they got into the red zone, you know, five and ten yards. See, I drafted both. Okay, I, I watched as many Giants plays as I could. I drafted both Jacobs and Bradshaw in the World Championship. And there were several weeks there. I started them both. <laughs> and we got in, they got into the red zone so many times over and over again. And what did we see this year that we didn't see in years past? We saw Eli Manning throwing the ball on first down. Right. And on second down, he threw it again. And now it's third down. You have to throw. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You, 
you had three cracks of this thing inside the five, and you threw it incomplete on first, second, third down, and he throws it in a touchdown to Steve Smith. You know, that's, that was basically the Giants' red zone experience week after week. So I'm not ready to uh, anoint Ahmad Bradshaw as the starter there, but for some reason he's going ahead of Jacobs in just about every draft, David. Yeah, I mean, what was amazing about Bradshaw, he literally was in a walking boot, you know, Monday through Friday. They'd take it off. He'd, he'd kind of do like a slight walkthrough and then play game every Sunday. I mean, he is completely yeah. a gamer. Mm-hmm. I, I was impressed for as mu- as injured as he was, what he actually showed me on the field. He is he is a dynamic player. We know what we get in Jacobs. Jacobs is going to pound the ball, you know, as hard as he possibly can, whether it's a hole or not, and, and move the pile and – and, you know, they're certainly going to use both of those players. But what I saw in Ahmad Bradshaw, certainly in a PPR league, is that's a player who really could be something special. He wasn't healthy. He still was good enough to stay on the field. Um, that's the big question. Is he healthy now? Most people assume he is. And people are, are naturally projecting that maybe that role reverses. Bradshaw's probably still the – I mean, uh, Jacob's still the guy who's going to pound the ball in. But Bradshaw could just have a, a lot bigger role in his offense. Where have we been seeing Bradshaw go here, Mike? Uh, and and uh, I, I know, Perry, you've been watching his ADP quite a bit because we talked about Bradshaw before the draft. I think he's kind of he's been going in these earlier um, FPC drafts. I think I, I've seen him go in the ninth round before. So, again, here's another case of a guy that somebody like Lou, who needs a running back, takes in the sixth round, where in other drafts, if you don't have a team that has to have a running back and, you, and you're a little bit more balanced, you see him go in the ninth round. It's very situational this year. Yeah, he went at 9-4 on the, the uh, football guys uh, draft on Sunday. So, again, here's a sixth-round pick and a ninth-round pick in a football guys <laughs> right. players championship. Same format, same rule set, same prize on the line, same entry fee. One guy likes him in the sixth, one guy likes him in the ninth. It's just, it's just that type of year. Let's Let's keep looking here. We've got a little bit of a wide receiver run happening now, and here's a guy I really like, but I was afraid to, afraid to draft. Jeremy Macklin goes at the end of the sixth round here. Again, uh, another injury day-to-day with this bone bruise situation, but Kevin Cobb has some amazing uh, – he, he's got an amazing set of weapons. I don't think we've seen a, a, a quarterback step into a better situation. I mean, I'm trying to remember back here, but when have we seen a, a quarterback step into a situation like – Deshaun, Macklin, and Selleck, and then a, a receiving running back in the backfield, McCoy. Can you think of any time that this has happened where you, get, you give a quarterback this many weapons and, and an offensive-minded coach that loves to throw the ball? Yeah, it's pretty rare. I mean, usually, usually quarterbacks, you know, I'm sure McNabb, if he had a choice, probably would have stayed. So I don't think quarterbacks usually are looking to be traded out of those situations, but it's it's definitely a good situation. We're also pretty high on Macklin. I, I He showed a lot to us last year, and even though Deshaun Jackson got most of the noise, you know, with long touchdowns, I, Jeremy Macklin's a really, really good player, and I think we're going to see him for, you know further develop this year. Yeah, he, he, had, a, he had a great season, and I think he was that – receiver that uh, everybody was expecting to go right after Crabtree and here we go and we have we had uh, Darius Hayward Bay go before both of those guys it was just a it was just a shock around the the NFL draft there when we saw that happen but he came in with a you're, you're talking about a rookie wide receiver that catches 55 balls in an offense that spreads it around all over the place I mean that that's a pretty impressive start to any to any season now you look at um, you know McNabb leaving uh, Macklin sort of cementing himself in that number number two role, you, you have to expect better things. The question is, 
did he just get a, a nice solid pick here, or did he get a guy that is going to just be dinged up all year? Because I, I mean, he, we, we've heard how many for for how many days now we heard about the cart. I, I don't think I've ever heard more stories, David, <laughs> about the cart this year than we have this off season. It's like everybody with a Twitter phone is saying somebody went on the cart. Well, don't they use the carts normally for? That's what the carts are out there for to kind of. Take you from yeah, place and, to place. and especially for especially for training camp because training camp's not really their normal facility. So you know they they actually have to move the players quite a long way. So you know if they're even dinged at all, I mean it doesn't make sense to have them you know hobble you know 200 yards away. So just bring the card. I mean why not? So yeah, I, I think it's it's a non-story. And I think all these dings. I think before Twitter, did we even hear about some of these? Right. I mean a bone bruise, he's out for you know two days of practice and he's back. It's like I mean that's a non-story and. And I think that's a lot of these. I mean, obviously, no Sean Marino, that's a huge injury, and, and there's some that are that have been like that. But I, I don't think Macklin's injury is a big deal, and probably probably something we didn't even hear about years ago. I think I think that's the kind of the vibe I'm getting to with Twitter. I mean, look, let's face it, we live in the day and age where everything's open and out there and transparent. If I go to Taco Bell and I have a bad day, uh, a bad service, <laughs> I'm tweeting about it on my way out the door, and everybody in the, in the, in the town knows about it. So. This is the same thing we're seeing in camps. Football's a tough sport, man. You're going to get dinged up. You're going to get knocked around. You're going to get some hurts and aches, and you're not going well, to play how many, everybody. How many, of these same, how many of these same players do you, you know, you watch them in the game, and they left the game, and they didn't come back, and you're all panicked on Monday when they're doing the press conference, but, you know, they're practicing by Thursday. So it's, it's the same exact thing now that's happening in the camps. You know, we see that every week when we have to play these guys. Wow, is he going to be there? Is he going to be there? And you panic, and then the next thing you know, it's like most of these guys will they'll show up questionable, but they they still find a way to get on the field. Again, we're listening to David Dodds. Uh, he's our guest tonight uh, from FootballGuys.com. Uh, we're drafting in this Football Guys Players Championship, uh, the, the the draft that has uh, fifty thousand dollars at least guaranteed at stake here for the grand prize winner. And of course, you have all the league prizes that go along with it. We just saw Terrell Owens come off the board. At, I love that uh, pick right there. At pick 7-3 for Ormond Rose. Again, Andre Johnson, he started off with Wes Welker, a couple of elite tight ends. He came back with Joe Adai and Arian Foster, which right now are two starting running backs. And then he comes back with Terrell Owens. I heard Chris Collinsworth on uh, the radio this morning talking about T.O. And he said, you know what, I don't know if any of you guys heard this interview, uh, but he was on the Dan Patrick show this morning. And he comes on there and he says, you know what, after T.O. signed, I said, I've got to get – Collinsworth is, is saying, I've got to get a closer look at, at T.O. and what he what, – what is he? What, where, what, where did he stand last year? What, what was behind the numbers in Buffalo? And he said, I looked at, I looked at play after play from Terrell Owens and, and game film, and I realized it wasn't T.O.'s fault. He still had the speed. He still was blazing by the, the defenders. Uh, it looked like he had all the talent that he, maybe not all the talent that he used to, but he looked like he had enough juice to, to play at an elite level in this game. But Buffalo was just in such a mess at the quarterback position that that was the resounding reason to Chris Collinsworth, anyway, as, as to why T.O. had the year that he had. So when you hear that, David, 7-3, T.O., uh, pretty good value here. Unbelievable. There have been really, some really great picks this round. I, uh, we love T.O., uh, we love Malcolm Floyd, um, especially if, if Vincent Jackson doesn't play. Heath Miller could have just an exceptional situation, especially the start of the year with Leftwich, uh, you know, in his giant windup. I, I have a feeling he's going to be looking to the tight end quite quite a lot with his mobility. Marion Barber, Warkins continues to amass a dream team here. 
And this is the kind of, and I, you know, I even love, you know, Money Inc. in terms of what they did with To. If you kind of look at the roster they put together, it's like, yeah, you're not, you're not looking and saying, oh, Arian Foster scares you. But then you look and go, look at he all the other him. studs he has. It's like, what if Arian Foster holds everybody off and has that thing? That's the kind of, kind of lineup that could potentially win this thing for you. And, and I think he's amassed that. But Warkins has also put together an unbelievable team. Uh, Marion Barber to go with Ray Rice and Michael Turner for backs is unbelievable. And he's not lacking anywhere else. He's got Vernon Davis, Matt Schaub, Deshaun Jackson, and Johnny Knox. That's a really, really good start to this draft. Well, and that's a team that when you're taking your RB3 in the seventh round and you get Marion Barber. Now, look, all the all the accounts and stories right now on Marion Barber are raving positive. For a minute there, you thought Felix Jones is primed to take this job. And if, you know, Felix Jones, you're, you're, you're taking in the fifth round, but you're getting Marion Barber in the seventh right now. Uh, everybody's saying this is – Marion Barber looks like he's playing better than he ever has before. Now, I don't, I don't know. You've got a – You've got a two-headed monster here that I, you really don't know which way this is going to go. I think they're both going to get a lot of work. The, the question is, in a redraft league, David, and, and again, you, it's not a draft master where you can just pick and choose when you want to play them. The question is, when, I, when I've drafted teams with Marion Barber in it, I look at my lineup and I, and I say, is this the week that I can start him? And the, question that I, the answer is that I always come back to is, I don't know. I don't know when, I, when, I, when push comes to shove – I'd rather throw in a wide receiver that I know has a great matchup. Like, you know, I'm just going to throw something out there. Like, you know, Donnie Avery against, at, you know, playing Detroit. You know, right. somebody's going to throw a lot of balls in that, in that game, and I'd rather take the sure thing than wondering about what, what week Mary Barber. Mary Barber could have a great season, and he could sit on your bench for every game he plays well, and he could be uh, in your but, lineup for every but, game he does but, poorly. But, but look at the team. Look at the team that Dallas has assembled. You know, look at Des Bryant back. And all of a sudden, now you've got Roy Williams in the slot. So not only do you have Miles Austin, Des Bryant, you've got Roy Williams. You can you laugh all you want that he wasn't a wide receiver one. That's fine. In the slot, I mean, who are you gonna, you've got Witten going to be running free. Marion Barber's going to be running free. Marion Barber's going to score. I mean, is any, what defense, what NFC team is going to line up and stop the Dallas Cowboys this year? So if this becomes the number one offense in the league, and I think, it's, I think it's quite possibly that could happen. You could make it your case for Indianapolis or Green Bay. But Dallas easily could become the number one offense. Marion Barber is going to score a ton of touchdowns. He's going to be involved in the passing game. Felix Jones hasn't been shown to stay healthy. He'll have a role. I mean, he, he certainly is another player that when he's in the offense and all spread out and everything. I mean, imagine they play Felix Jones like Reggie Bush is playing. They throw him out wide. and I mean, how are you going to guard all these guys? I mean, somebody is going to catch a lot of passes in this offense because I don't see teams really be able to line up and stop. And, again, I keep going back to Roy Williams. I mean, who has Roy Williams as a wide receiver three? That's just sick. And, you know, and Jason Witten, it's not like they're deficient on any of these skill positions. I mean, Jason Witten is top of the game as well. You got it. Okay, sorry guys, I had to come out there for a minute. You, David, you were you were rolling on Marion Barber there, and I didn't want to cut you off. I had to, I had to make my pick here with uh, Jay Cutler. He's a guy that I absolutely love at the end of the seventh round uh, to get Mike Martz. I think you know when you look at all of the valuable acquisitions this year uh, across the NFL, you have Anquan Bolden uh, going to a new team, and uh, you think about all of the acquisitions that we've seen uh, this this off season. I look at Mike Martz as the, as the most valuable player across the, the landscape here <laughs> to Jay Cutler and to that Bear passing game. Uh, I had Mike Santos on not too long ago, an accomplished high-stakes player, and he, he broke down Jay Cutler. He broke down every year of Mike Martz's offense. We've all seen what he's done and what he 
I mean, look what he did for um, John Kitna in Detroit, right? I mean, he turned him into a top ten quarterback. Well, absolutely. You, you've got a you've got an arm in Jay Cutler, which is a top ten. You put him into a system like Mike Martz, the sky's the limit here, David. Yeah, I think so. It's it's either going to end really well or end really bad because I mean the, the thing with Martz is he he doesn't protect your quarterback. He he has his receivers run a lot deeper patterns. Certainly Cutler can hit those deeper patterns. You've got a lot of speed at receiver in Chicago. The question is Cutler's going to get hit a lot. So you know does does he blow up? Does he does he lose confidence and this is working because he's getting sacked quite a bit? But if he if he can stomach it and and, and kind of avoid those sacks, that offensive line's you know not that good. They're going to throw a lot of deep patterns. You've got Knox, you've got Hester, you've got a lot of weapons of receiver. I would even say Chester Taylor, you know, you've got my Ford. You've got a lot of situations there. That offense is going to be a juggernaut, and Jay Cutler should, you know, put up just unbelievable numbers in that offense. Yeah, we had um, we had Vincent Jackson go one pick in front of us, Jay Cutler. I, when's the last time we saw a player actually hold out in this far – I mean – When's the last time we saw an elite wide receiver hold out into the season? Can you can you think of it off the top of your head? Um, I, I can think. I can't think of the guy's name right now. But it was it was who was it was the Tampa Bay receiver went pretty deep. But it was a few years ago. So yeah, oh, it was it Keyshawn or no? It was Key. Yeah, well, Keyshawn didn't know. It was uh, Keenan McCardle. Who, who was I uh, thinking about? Who, who went real deep? Okay. okay. But uh, you know, many many years ago. But but again, you're. It's a situation that I think, you know, Vincent Jackson heavily overweighing his options right here because, I mean, he has two DUIs in the offseason. You know, here's, here's a situation, or, or not necessarily in the offseason, but the, the building up. He's already got the three-game suspension. The Chargers are not going to offer him a long-term contract. I mean, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady don't have a long-term contract. Daryl Rivas doesn't have a long-term contract. I mean, this is all before the big collective bargaining thing. You're not going to get a long-term contract, but this could be a lot of posturing. I actually think Vincent Jackson's a pretty good play right around now because, again, it could be a situation where, you know, he begs for forgiveness, asks for, you know, whatever it is they're willing to pay. And when push comes to shove, I mean, you can't think San Diego doesn't want to have him on the field. Well, we're on the clock right now. Perry, um, we've got about a minute left on the clock here. Uh, Phillip Rivers, look at all the quarterbacks we just had. Phillip Rivers, Cutler, and all these guys were still there. We need uh, a running back or a wide receiver here. We talked about Michael Bush before this show. Uh, is there somebody else that you're that, that you're seeing creep up in your mind? Or are we going we going forward? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Steve Briston. No, 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 no. He's he's off the board. I mean, we're not we're not. I'm not taking him. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. We've got to we've got to agree at least on the value. So give me give me another guy that you like. Um, you like Driver? You like Mason? You like both those guys? Mason? I don't. I think Driver's. Sort of an odd pick since we have Jennings. Since but. we have Jennings, yeah, it makes it a little tough to start him, doesn't it? Well, I mean, you can start them both on some weeks, but Mason looks like, you know. I don't know. Would you rather have a Would you rather have an old fuddy-duddy and Mason, or do you want the young stallion cat? You know, 245, ram it down your throat, Michael Bush. Come on. <laughs> All right, you want Bush, so. Well, you know, I'm I'm a little higher on Bush than most. This is red versus blue, so I'm a, uh, you know, a product of Louisville here. We're gonna take our boy Michael Bush. And, and I'm going to give Perry the next pick because I took Michael Bush in the eighth. He gave me Michael Bush, so I'll give Perry the pick in the ninth uh, to make up for it because uh, I didn't want any part of Steve Breston and Matt Liner in the eighth round. I'm, I'm trying to fill out a lineup here, and I don't want Breston in my lineup. So, Perry, I just saved the day. 347, 
324-5404 is the number. You know, I think we lost Mike here. Wait a minute. I haven't heard from Mike. Let me let me see the switchboard here. Mike, are you with us, buddy? I've been here for quite some time. What happened to you? Uh, I dropped you, and uh, we had a storm come through, and uh, I've been sitting there going, uh, am I in, am I in, am I in? But, uh, no, I've, I've just been listening to you and David. Everything's going fine. <laughs> Doing well. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Michael Bush wasn't a bad pick, but... Uh, you know, you might want to think about Steve Bresson, though. Well, you, I'm going to put you on the same island with Perry uh, on the on the Steve Bresson one in my starting lineup island. That's that, that's you guys. And while while I'm while I'm taking 245 pound uh, Michael Bush jamming down your down your throat and scoring 10 touchdowns this year for the Oakland Raiders. I am, well, I, I want to jump in real quick, Scott. Uh, I am very impressed with this uh, team. Right now, uh, Team 5, uh, they're, they're really impressing me uh, with what they've done with uh, Gore, uh, Frank Gore, uh, Jamal Charles, and uh, San Antonio Moss. I mean, uh, that, Moss. that yeah. team right there, uh, you know, it's screaming uh, possibilities. Okay, well, he took Eli Manning, uh, David. He took Eli Manning in the seventh, which is a guy that we had targeted here at the end of the seventh. But who would have known? That you could ever get Philip Rivers in the eighth. I mean, the, the quarterbacks fell like crazy. That's, but that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he took Eli Manning. He he has three stud running backs in Gore, Charles, and Best. We all think he's a he's a stud. Then he takes Dwayne Bow. Now Santana Moss is the question mark. He's obviously the best wide receiver that the Redskins have. The question is, are there suspensions looming, and what is his health? So you got two issues now with right. Santana Moss. Yeah, and we're, we're starting to really think Devin Thomas might be the guy over there just because of those situations. Wow, what, what's yeah, this deal, though? He hasn't, but, he hasn't but, done anything. I, you know, I, I still think uh, uh, Santana Moss is going to be the guy there. I mean, there's all kinds all kinds of things looming, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, come uh, the first uh, Sunday in September, uh, Santana Moss is going to be uh, going to be the wide receiver there. Yeah, I think um, – I don't know if I say Santana Moss is going to be the wide receiver. He, he's definitely at the wide receiver position, but is he going to be the favorite target? I think it's going to be so so spread out there. Donovan McNabb is – granted, he could be the, the Donovan McNabb's Deshaun, but I think Deshaun was Donovan McNabb's you know, top target because he's Deshaun Jackson. He's not Santana Moss. Chris Cooley and Fred Davis in this offense really make things interesting. I mean, you could right. really spread these balls out where every one of these guys gets no more than 50 balls. And I don't like the up-and-down play that Santana Moss gives you in a lineup like this where you don't really know what, what kind of week he's going to give you. But, you know, hey, every, you've got to take something here at that point. Uh, you know, you, right. you've already seen Knox go. Maybe you take a Percy Harvin, but you don't know if Favre's going to be there. So, you know, the, the team, I, I like what, 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 what he has there. He just has to get a little bit stronger at wide receiver. And there's, right. plenty, there's right. plenty of them still to come. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, when I saw him uh, take uh, Gore and uh, Jamal Charles, I was like, wow, he, he he's really loaded for bear at running back. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I, I kind of like what uh, what we just saw here from uh, Donnie T. He took Des Bryant. This is the time where you can where you can start a, where you can sort of start taking your darts and taking your flyers. Look, in these formats, you we we all believe or most of the high stakes veterans believe that you have to fill up your lineup. You, you kind of have to get your starting lineup kind of set, and then you can really start just. Getting, taking some flyers, throwing some darts, and getting one of these guys to pan out. Um, that's what you do with a Des Bryant pick in the eighth round. Uh, I mean, all the upside in the world, right, For and to be in an offense like that. Um, there he goes his, again with Jerome Harrison. The, the question is, David, that 
have guys like Donald Driver and Derek Mason on the board when your number one wide receiver is Sidney Rice with questions abound, right. it, almost, it almost makes me feel like I just would rather play it a little bit safer at this point in the draft and then kind of mess my lineup up like that. I'd rather have a safe starter. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, Sidney Rice has all kinds of questions. I think we're, you know, extremely worried about his hip, and that just that story may just get more and more noise as things go on. He hasn't really practiced much at all. You know, he avoided Fitzgerald's camp. or So this is, you know, not looking good. No, it's not. I, I drafted him in a dynasty this year. Uh, the FFPC debuted some dynasty leagues, and I took him uh, – <laughs> And you, you, the pit of your stomach, just every story that I read in the morning on my, on my football guy's alerts, the first thing I read every morning, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, oh, is there any good news here? And every, every story is, okay, the, the doctors examined two of the three doctors he went to, wanted him to have surgery on this thing. Right, exactly. You should know. That's, that's not good. <laughs> that's, not, that's not good. Uh, uh, hip injuries are not good for anybody. I mean, it, it, it's really just oh. one of those things that, you know, it's a debilitating injury. You, you, you can't you, you can't get the movement that you need. You can't get the speed that you need, uh, especially when you you can't go up for the ball. And, and that's what he does best. I mean, he showed everybody flashes of dominance last year in those playoff games where he looked like he couldn't be stopped uh, against some of the best corners in the league. So to see right. this happening to him now, um, I mean, it's got to be weighing on. I mean, okay, you, you get a lot more upside with Percy Harvin here in the sixth round with the questions of Sidney Rice. You think about. You think about the value that that Henry Muto got uh, Muto in the sixth round with Percy Harvin. If there's questions about Sidney Rice, I think Percy just steps right in, and it's Percy Absolutely. Harvin and, and Bernard yeah, Berrien. He, he bolts up, you know. He bolts up, and I mean Berrien is a guy that somebody will get really late that also would bolt way up. So yeah, I mean those are that's what makes drafting you know early like this kind of fun. You try to play those what if games and then try to land some of those players. You know it does, David, and uh, you know the. The most fun about this entire draft this this year, 2010, is has been because what we talk about that there is no sure thing. There is no sure thing. You pretty much have to go with your gut instinct, go with somebody that you believe in, and uh, pretty much go from there. Uh, you got to, as far as uh, drafting anybody from Minnesota, you got to either a gamble that the gunslinger is coming back, or b that he's not. And go go with that. Go with that and feel good about it. Well, we're listening to uh, – that was Michael Trent, my co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky. We've got uh, David Dodds from footballguys.com on with us tonight, a special guest of the program, and then my co-host, my, my partner in crime the, uh, tonight, Perry Van Hook, uh, Captain Hook on the boards everywhere, uh, a veteran of the high-stakes world. And uh, we just saw Chester Taylor come off the board, a very interesting player. Listen, Fantasy Mojo, Darren Armani – I uh, want, want to plug his site for a minute, fantasymojo.com. Uh, great site. He hosted the Pros versus Joes contest along with football, uh, Fantasy Football Players Championship. He had Matt Forte in the fourth round, and it, and it became a must pick here, to be honest with you, uh, to get Chester Taylor here at this point. You have to, if you take Matt Forte in the fourth, you have to take Chester Taylor in the eighth, David. See, I think just the opposite. I think, I think in this kind of format where you're trying to win all the big money, you've got to make a decision. You've got to figure out. How that's going to play out? I mean, I don't. Do you really think Mike Martz is going to like keep rotating those guys? I mean, I, I don't see that as a running back by committee. Someone's going to win that job. I think that you know I'm going to follow the money trail. They paid a lot of money to get Chester Taylor in. Matt Forte's been horrible on the goal line. 
I think Chester Taylor is going to better fit that offense. We'll see. There's the camp reports of all saying how great Matt Forte looks, and he's thin down and everything else. But let's wait till they really play games. Um, I honestly think in this kind of format, I think it's almost a mistake to go for two of those kind of players. Now, I say that, but then I, I look back at just what uh, Money, Inc. just did. They basically rostered a die and Donald Brown, and I think that could be a, a brilliant move. They got both those super late, and they'll team that because, again, that'll be a situation. I don't think that's going to be a giant running back by committee either. I mean, they'll both right. get carries, right. but one of those guys is going to be the star each week. So. Right. And I think that's why it was more. I think that's why it was so important because this isn't a traditional. This is this is an absolute cuff in this instance because you 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 Matt Forte you're depending on as an RB two and he doesn't have. He went ahead and spent the pick on Tony Romo. He took Macklin and Floyd, so he sacrificed an RB three. And if and if you're going to count on Forte as your RB two, which he did by committing to him in the fourth round. You're, you're, you have to make sure that you have an RB2 to be able to <laughs> right. back him up in the event that Forte isn't the guy or in the fact that he does go down, you, your draft is not dead in the water now because you have the RB2 still in place while the rest of your lineup is still solid. Let's face it, if you can't find a wide receiver four later in the draft in the next 11 rounds, you've got bigger problems. I mean, you've got 11 <laughs> rounds to throw darts at a wide receiver four. You're not going to have that many RB2s still floating out here. So he guaranteed himself an RB2, in my mind, with that pick. Now, you could be right. It could be that you find yourself uh, in, a, in a muddy situation every week where they're both getting 15, 10 carries, and, and that's a mess. So I, I, just like, I just like what he did with the fact that he only had – Well, he locked up that running game. Up. I mean, and, and, and it's funny because Martz is known, you know, outside of Falk, who obviously had his careers there, but – you know, March usually doesn't use the running back, but but both those guys are good at catching the ball, so it's going to be an interesting situation. I have a feeling, obviously, when he had Falk, Marshall Falk, he used him a lot. So, you know, again, we're pretty high on Chester Taylor winning that job. That's certainly not what the camp reports are saying now, so Forte's going earlier. We love Chester Taylor. This late, great pick. And, again, Matt Forte's either – I mean, in some ways, if Matt Forte is a complete bust pick, then he's going to have great value with Chester Taylor. So he, he has covered himself a bit there, so – I'm looking at a lot of running backs that went. How many is that in a row, guys? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight running backs in a row. And look what we have here. We have a defense off the board in the ninth round. Wow, that's fast. <laughs> yeah, that's awful early. I mean, uh, you know, that, that's only halfway through the draft and the defense goes off the board. Uh, I, I don't know. I would have I held off a little bit myself. Well, Mike, that's because you know what you're doing. <laughs> the ninth round is just way too early to take any defense. Now, granted, the Jets, uh, you know, I'm not going to knock Darren here, but the Jets are the consensus uh, defense one this year, right? I mean, they have everything in place for a very good season, a very special season. We're going to start watching them on Hard Knocks, I think, this week coming up on HBO. I mean, I, I pick up my subscription to HBO when when, when Curb <laughs> right, Your Enthusiasm exactly. and – it was over uh, when, I, when I have Entourage coming on. I pick it back up. Now I've got on, you know, Hard Knocks and Entourage. I'm, I'm set. But the Jets at 9-2 just seems a little bit early. Uh, what, what are you going to do there that you, you know, you, you do have to play matchups a little bit still in fantasy football, right? I mean, you're not just going to plug in the Jets every single time you, they play, but maybe you, maybe you do with, when you have the Jets. So I just see so many flyers and darts here that you could take that could be superstars. It's a, it's a little bit early for my taste. Yeah, no, yeah, it's no too early for me. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different players he can go after, but 
then again, maybe uh, you know he just wanted he wanted the Jets. He wanted to solidify them, get them in there, and then he don't have to worry about another defense till say round nineteen. But uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you've got round uh, twelve, thirteen, fourteen that he could probably get the Jets, uh, and then you know go ahead and get somebody uh, a wide receiver uh, running back right now. But I don't. Yep. There are a lot of options here, but again, it did break up the run uh, on the on the running backs. We had a tremendous run on running backs right before. I mean, I guess we kind of started it with Michael Bush and then went Slate and all the rest of them just started following suit. Uh, I, I do like that Donald Brown pick for Joe Adai, and let's see what he did. Um, Money, Inc., Orman Rose just took Carson Palmer as his quarterback one. Now, I've, I've had a lot of conversations about Carson Palmer, a very interesting quarterback to uh, to discuss this offseason because what we saw last year was a wimpy arm. And we, we don't know how, how that arm has – if that arm has improved a little bit. You definitely added some weapons this year. They, they've made a concerted effort to change this offensive philosophy because, you know, last year you could, you could say it. They were a running team. Uh, a traditional run, run team, run first team. This year, you hear all these reports about, hey, we want to emulate the Saints or we want to emulate the Colts. I've heard them both mention now. I don't know who, who, who's right. And they bring in Jordan Shipley as a, as a, as a draft pick. They, they, they bring in Antonio Bryant. They sign him to a contract as a free agent. That tells you right there that that's what they want to do. That's making a move. Uh, and then you bring in Terrell Owens. That's two free agent moves at wide receiver. So you're obviously not happy about Bryant and what he brought you. Uh, right. David, what and do even you think Matt about Jones. Carson I mean, he, I mean, it's it's like you know they they went they went out and said we're going to run we're going to run four wide. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a situation. I mean, I went back and and you know I we saw the same stuff. I mean, Carson Palmer had a noodle arm at the end in the playoffs, but I went back and watched like some of the earlier weeks. And in the very first part of the year last year, his arm was super sharp. He was reading the defense well. So you know, which Carson Palmer are we going to see? That's the real question. Well, you know, I'm going to jump in here, David. Uh, I've, I've had uh, my, you know, my eye on the Cincinnati Bengals for uh, the last couple of weeks, and uh, Carson Palmer is taking charge of this team in a big way. And you know, I, I think we're going to see the arm of Car- Carson Palmer that we saw uh, earlier in in last year. And uh, plus, you throw in that rookie tight end Gresham. I mean, these guys. I mean. There's a ton of weapons that they have, and if uh, Cedric Benson can stay, you know, stay cool about himself, throwing the running game, this team can be pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any question. Uh, I prefer him as a nice QB, too, uh, until he proves it to me. Uh, But, you know, if you are going to take a stab and wait until the ninth round to get your quarterback – you could do a lot worse uh, because all the signs are there to say, hey, they are going to throw the ball. They are going to air it out a little bit this year. So that's, that, that, that gives you a little bit of a, a reassurance. I think it's definitely he could be part of a quarterback by committee here. You need to back him up pretty quick if you take Palmer and he's your first running or quarterback. Right. You've got to back him up quick and, and, and kind of solidify that quarterback by committee. And I know you guys are, are – some of your writers are, are – you know, we, we look forward to those quarterback by committee articles every year. Um, what, about, what about a uh, – what about a uh, uh, Carson Palmer, uh, Mark Sanchez? I don't know. I David, a better committee. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Sanchez. I think they're going to run a lot. I, but I think what's great about a Carson Palmer pick this late is 
you make you make a stab at that. If that doesn't work out, you're going to know it right away. If you, I mean, if he has a noodle arm, you're going to know that in like week two. It's not it's not going to be you know like wow he has no arm strength. I mean it's it's going to be extremely obvious. But if he has arm strength and he has all those weapons, you you know you just stole somebody for super cheap. Because if all of a sudden we all knew you know three weeks from now that he's throwing with unbelievable velocity, Carson Palmer is probably a sixth round quarterback. So you know he, they just gained three you know rounds of value here, guessing that he's he's well. But if he's not well, it's not like somebody you know you're going to just keep playing, praying it's going to be better. If he doesn't have any arm strength, it'll be obvious. Yeah, I agree. You'll, you'll know by week uh, two or three, and uh, and if you're gonna, if you're going to draft him in this spot, then uh, who's going to be your backup at quarterback? Yeah, I tons think of guys like. Perry yeah, and I ahead. have to make this pick, so I'm going to let you guys uh, you guys discuss that. Yeah, I mean, you, you Mike goes so mean? many different directions. Yeah, I mean, you can even have somebody like Gerard, and we all laugh about that, but, I mean, Gerard was like, you know, five to six fantasy points better at home games than he was away. So, I mean, you can get somebody like that super, yeah. super late, you know, round 13, 14, 15. What's the story Does, with Meacham's foot? Uh, he's in trouble. He's in bad trouble. You what? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. he was at, we, he was asking what's the, what's up with Meacham's foot, and I said he's in bad trouble. I mean, yeah. he hasn't really been doing much of anything for a long time. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would touch Meacham with a with a ten foot toe. <laughs> right. But uh, you know, I'm just uh, you know, I've been kind of curious about Carson Palmer. I haven't taken him yet in any uh, in any drafts. Uh, but man, I've been wanting—I've been wanting to, but just haven't pulled the plug on it. Yeah, and he's—and I think it's another one of those players where I think his draft stock's going to keep going higher and higher and higher as as we just hear more things out of camp. Yeah, and you know things uh, things just keep going on. Uh, you know they keep going on and on about uh, different players and uh, this and that, David. But uh, you know. The one thing about it is, uh, you know, they they continue to persevere, and uh, once they break camp, and uh, you know, we got the first game coming up Sunday uh, with uh, Dallas and Cincinnati, but uh, they're only going to play maybe one series, and that's it. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to see stuff early, but but we'll see it though. We're, we're, we'll start. I mean, there's it's not like we're the only people that noticed that Carson Palmer's arm strength was weak by the end of last year. So there it'll be a big story in camp and and they'll be following it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh you you know like I said, you you brought up something real good. I mean, in the first couple of weeks, you're going to know it right away. Right, right. away if uh, if uh, uh Ocho Cinco or Terrell or uh, Antonio Bryant or any of those guys if they're sprinting down uh, 40 yards, 50 yards downfield. And if he's not getting to them, then there's a problem. And uh, so you better have a backup quarterback. And so that comes full circle on uh, on on the question on who's that backup quarterback going to be. Uh, if it's me, I think I might draft a uh, Mark Sanchez. Sure, and you get and you get something like that super late. I mean, you get a Matt Castle super late. You know, so. Those are the, I mean, even you, we all laugh at Matt Leinart, but you can get them super late. I mean, those are those are the kind of guys that, you know, easily, you know, if it doesn't work out, I mean, there's still somebody to roster that's that's going to be okay. 
All right, David. Now you, you need to you need to talk to me here. Um, wow, wow you're like going against all the players we hate this year. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Tell me, tell me about Robert Meacham and why you think he fell to the tenth round when we've been seeing him go so much earlier. He's hurt. <laughs> I mean, he had that. It's a toe injury, but he had the toe surgery, and he still got huge issues with that. And all of a sudden, now you're seeing. You know, Lance Moore pick up his spot. Lance Moore's finally healthy, and Lance Moore pretty much had that spot before Meacham. So it's one of those situations where it's pretty unsure right now. You know, New Orleans and, you know, Breeze is so effective at just finding tight spaces. It's kind of a plug-and-play situation. If he's not healthy, they just might not play Meacham. So I don't think anybody's doubting Meacham's big play potential, but is he healthy? Well, we definitely considered, uh, I think Perry's with us, we definitely considered Darren McFadden here, too, as a, you know, we've seen the cuff situation here work a couple of times, and since since there are unknowns with Michael Bush, we thought, well, maybe maybe we just lock that down, but we, we thought, you know what, there's a lot of, you, you've got to have some upside, some real high-ceiling guys here, and let's face it, if Colston's not the epitome of health either, uh, and with, with those with those knee issues that that he's been experiencing for several years now, uh, you know we could see we could see Robert Meacham come in and step in uh, for for that production. Uh, we, we definitely saw the flashes, you know, almost like a Sidney Rice type flash where you see this talent, you know, that we that was right. drafted to be that way, and you you're in a great offense. Well, you, you take you've got talent and you've got the offense. Well, now all you just need is opportunity, and and I think he got that last year, so he just has to get healthy. I mean, how how hard is a toe injury? To, I mean, why do these people have toe problems? I know Gates had a toe yeah. issue, but how many people have a how many players have a toe issue that lingers all throughout the year? I just don't I don't see it a lot. It's been lingering Got a it. long time, though. I think that's I think that's where a lot of us are concerned. I mean, the fact that it's you know it's went through the entire off season and he's still got a toe issue. It's like why why isn't this done? So yeah, I mean, I agree. It's just a toe, but he's a wide receiver. He has to run. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, these guys, uh, you know, they're professionals. They 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 do what they need to do, and uh, I, I know what you guys are saying. A toe injury, man, it's just a toe. It's just a toe. Well, if if they can't cut and drive and do what they need to do to uh, maximize their ability on that team, then they're not they're not the best option. Uh, Think about Lance Moore again. Uh, you know, I think Lance Moore could be a viable option for uh, New Orleans. Well, I mean, he he's one year removed from scoring ten touchdowns. I mean, it's not it's not like Lance Moore was completely lame. You know, I mean, Lance Moore was a good player as well. So, and that, I that's do the thing. Lance I, Moore is very healthy coming into uh, camp this year. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I think all of us recognize Meacham as a more talented player than Lance Moore. But you know, is he healthy? That's the question. Well, and again, this draft has been full There's of these question hope. marks uh, for 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 injured players uh, all throughout the draft, and you, you just have to kind of pick your spots. And I think I think that's where you you, you make a decision. Uh, sixth round? No, I don't draft him in the sixth anymore. I don't I don't draft him over those wide receiver names that we see in the seventh. Look, Hester, Floyd, Owens, Vincent Jackson, Hoosh. Not not now. In the eighth round, we saw one wide receiver go, Des Bryant. Uh, when you can get Robert Meacham in the 10th, I think it makes sense. Let's look at some other teams real quick. Ollie, let's see what Ollie did. When he took Phillip Rivers in the 8th, that's just ridiculous value. Whoever takes Phillip Rivers in the 8th uh, <laughs> yeah, this year in crazy. Vegas 
in, in Vegas. crazy value. Oh, you're going to be great. feeling great. He, he backs it up with Cadillac Williams and Darren Sproles. Um, again, the two guys uh, he's that got, are, he's got a great He's got a great draft. I mean, you look at his team, there's really – his real hole maybe is Owen Daniels, you know, but, I mean, he got him late, so it wasn't like he – I mean, he reached for him. So, but that – you know, all he's got an, an incredible team building here. Yeah. Cadillac Williams is underrated, uh, uh, you know, as a as a running back who is going to carry the ball. I, again, I drafted him in a league this year, and and it's the type of guy that you wait until he has a great matchup. And if he has a great matchup, there's no reason not to start him because right now he is the starter. He's the first down back, the second down. He could be third. He can be goal line. He could be all that. Uh, now I know there there's been some reports and talk of saying, hey, let's get Derek Ward involved. You know, they had their chances last year of getting him involved, and there were several weeks when he was healthy and they didn't get him involved. So it's it's the same situation there. Caddy is 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 back, and I, I think that getting him in the ninth round is is pretty good value for for a player. I I, I kind of put him in that that camp of Marion Barber, where it's a, it's a guy that people are just not you know they're not they're they're really um, taking him for granted. And, well, and I think you know, they do I that think, with Barber, think, they do it with Caddy. Well, Scott, I think that could be a very good pick uh, as long as they can open up that offense uh, just a little bit more. Just a right. little bit more. Let Freeman, uh, you know, have fun with the wide receivers. And, uh, you know, on second down, you know, a second and five, instead of relying on uh, Cadillac Williams to do something, throw the ball. And when it becomes third and five, it's going to be a tough, tough season for Cadillac. But I don't know. Well, we just saw Thomas Jones go off the board, too. And it's interesting to see that, you know, uh, Greenwood Invincibles – he had a chance. Vince had a chance at Thomas Jones backing up Jamal Charles, but I guess that alludes to your point, uh, David. You guys, um, what do you what do you see in Thomas Jones, Jamal Charles? How do you see that situation shaking out? I think Jamal Charles way more talented. I think Thomas Jones on the back end of his career, he looked to us just looked awful. Looked like he had lost a ton. And because you have to ask yourself, I mean, the Jets have pretty much made a, a run to pretty much win the Super Bowl here this year. Whether they do or not is, is another question. But they put together a team like that. Well, why did they get rid of Thomas Jones and then essentially pay LaDainian Tomlinson the same kind of money when this guy already knows the offense? But but Thomas Jones looked horrible at the end of the year. I mean, they, they were blowing up huge holes, and he couldn't do anything with them. So I, I think it's a situation. I think Thomas Jones got old real fast. Uh, Jamal Charles plays a lot better in that spread offense. The the issue with Jamal Charles is is how many carries is he really going to get or how many touches is he really going to get. He's a smallish type back. I don't think anybody's predicting 350 touches. So it's a matter of just what he can do with those limited touches he has. They'll probably be forced to use Thomas Jones, but I, I think he's I think he's washed up. So we'll see. Well, David, I, you know I got to disagree with you. Uh, I think uh, I think Thomas Jones has enough left in the tank uh, to do something and uh, make a difference there, and uh, he's going to show it uh, because I mean he 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 can carry the ball over and over and over again, especially in goal line situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I think that's what you need to do. Uh, that's how you need to compliment Jamal Charles because this is a back that admittedly was wearing down. Uh, Haley said you can't do that to this back, so he knows you can't give uh, Jamal Charles those types of carries and keep him fresh. They knew that this was a big risk uh, late in that year to just keep putting him in there, especially when they don't have much to play for. So I think they're, you know, just, they, they saw what he has, though. They know what they have in Jamal Charles now, and so it's it's time to to 
pick your spots. And this is the type of game where if Thomas Jones, if you can run the ball and your offensive line proves that you can push the pile forward, you let Thomas Jones take those beatings whenever you can. When you and give but, Jamal Charles but, but that you, breather, and then let him, you know, uh, break you, open you the an, offense. You anticipate Kansas City is a very good team, though. So I mean, I think they're going to be playing from behind in most games. Certainly, Jamal Charles, with his ability to do things in open space, is going to be the guy you're still going to count on late in the game. So again, well, I mean, I understand Thomas Jones' role for the Jets when they were in close games and pounding out the clock. I just don't know that that's going to translate real well for Kansas City and a team that's probably going to be playing right. from behind. Right, and I see it, David. But uh, plus, they're going to play. They're, they're going to be playing uh, Denver twice, uh, Oakland twice. So uh, I mean, and San Diego. I don't know what they got. I mean, so they're going to play bad twice. defense too. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, uh, again, at, at that point in the draft, I would have I would have expected to back Jamal Charles up just to be safe. But you know. You, you you let him go, and somebody else like a like an Orman Rose, Cotrax, uh, you know, Money Inc. Here needs <laughs> right. to take those flyers at running back, and that's what he did. Sure. Because he loaded up heavy in the beginning of the draft, and so it, it makes sense to grab a to grab a player like him now at this point in the draft. So, you know, we'll see what that's all about. I, I just think what we saw in Kansas City last year was a team. I mean, four wins. Uh, I did the math on those guys and, and looked at the game logs and saw that they had five games that they lost by seven points or less. I think the over-under on these guys is six-and-a-half wins this year. Uh, so I think they're going to be good for that. I think they're going to be good for seven wins. I think, I think it's a high probability that they have seven wins this year when you look at that schedule. And, and I've heard great reports on Matt Castle's improvement. Uh, you obviously hear about what the type of uh, the work ethic that Dwayne Bowe has this year. That's what you have to look for in your skill position players. And then you go out and grab a couple of real flyers, in the tight end, Tony Moiaki, and then you also take um, the, the SEC kid that just makes a play every Dex, Dexter McCluster. These guys make right. plays. Uh, you're really adding another dimension to that offense, plus they, they, they spend a very high pick on, uh, was it a cornerback? One of, those, one of those top players in the draft, like a top five pick. Um, I don't know. I just kind of like what I see in Kansas City. The schedule's there. They've got a great-looking easy schedule. Uh, anytime you have a bad year, you kind of get made up for it the next year, and that's why you love the NFL. You get that parity, and, and maybe one year you're at four wins, the next one you're eight or nine. Right. So. Sure. Exactly. I mean, let's face it, that's why the Bengals made the playoffs last year. <laughs> I, think they, I think they'll be back there probably this year, though. They look good. Yeah. yeah. The, the Bengals were an interesting situation, and we could talk about them a little bit, too, while, while the draft's going on. The, the Bengals were a team that – you know, they, they had a lot of close games there early on, but they, they turned them out into wins. And when you turn them out into wins, it looked like they kind of went on autopilot and just played a very conservative the second half of the year. It was like Lewis, Marv Lewis said, i, I got to get in the playoffs for my job. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to hold this job much longer. He had to get in the playoffs. He did that. And they kind of went on autopilot, and they, didn't, they played a real conservative game, and you didn't see Palmer do much at all through the air. Well, this year's a different year. that We've already talked about how many weapons they've thrown in. So, Let's 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 pick up on the draft. We've missed out on some action here after the Thomas Jones pick. It went Lawrence Maroney again. Uh, Darren's piecing some. Getting, he, he's throwing some darts here with Maroney. Uh, Chaz Schillens comes into the game here at ten twelve, and this is a guy that just cannot stay healthy. Everybody knows that this kid can be a number one <laughs> wide receiver in this league, but uh, I don't know. I, I, how high are you guys on him, David? Um, not as high. I mean. I mean, he looked, you know, he looked apart and got hurt last year. He's he's pretty much been hurt 
Uh, I mean, it's, it's certainly Oakland's going to have a better passing game than they ever had last year. That was that was just a nightmare. So, I, I mean, he's, he's worth something, obviously. I mean, the picks I, I love just they just went off. We love Maroney here. I mean, he's going against 34-year-old backs in New England. He should have every chance to win that job. And also, Fantasy Mojo followed that up with Lee Evans. I think that's also a great situation. Somebody's got to catch the ball in, in that, you know, again, awful offense. But, I mean, somebody has to catch it. Right. Yeah, that's that's the que- that's the question. But when T.O. can't catch it, you know, you, you you don't expect Lee Evans to be able to. But we'll we'll see. Joe Flacco goes uh, as a great backup to Carson Palmer. I would have kind of flipped those around to be honest with you. I like Flacco better than Palmer, but that's that's a nice quarterback by committee. Then we see Braylon Especially in the eleventh round. I mean, it's, there's 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 exactly the reason people should be waiting at quarterback. I mean, just look at some of them. You know, Rivers won the eighth. We got Flacco in the eleventh. Right. I mean, you guys got when did when did you guys take Cutler in the eighth? Didn't you? Uh, right at the end of the seventh. Yeah. End of the seventh. I mean, you see some of these. I mean, Cole went in the eighth. Uh, you know, Palmer in the ninth. I mean, it's just you know, it's just crazy. I mean, it's there's so much value at quarterback this year that. You know, you're almost foolish to go up and, and yeah, sure, there's Breeze and Manning and all those, but I mean, man, you're going to get a lot of good players really late and and can stockpile everybody else. Uh, you know, I totally agree, David. And what, what's the difference between uh, uh, you know Flacco and uh, what what Scott and them took? I mean, you know, it's just between seventh and eleventh round. I mean, that's a big difference. That's a big round dif- difference. But uh, is there is there that much a difference? Well, and I, and I just, but I even think I think from the seventh to eleventh, there's just a lot of good players in that range, mm-hmm. as opposed to jumping up and taking a quarterback in rounds two or three. I mean, there's a huge difference in running right. back and wide right receiver talent between two and eleven, but the quarterback value is just amazing that deep. Yeah, the players that I look at that uh, look like sure things to me in those seventh through eleventh uh, rounds, again, Philip Rivers going in the eighth. I think that's a, a steal. Uh, obviously, in the ninth, you look at Derek Mason, who you don't have to worry about. He's going to be heavily involved. Uh, and then in the tenth round, I mean, what can you say about Donald Driver? They, he had a surgery, a, 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 um, a surgery that cleans up a little bit of the of, of the, the lingering mess he had in that knee, and he's feeling great now. He he, he played right. through that last year, and he's going to be even better for by all accounts. This guy's a a warrior at his age. I don't know how many years. I didn't see many signs of him slowing down. And the, and the main thing that I didn't see, every game, because I own Jennings. I had him last year, and here I go, I have him again. I, I saw him, Aaron Rodgers, every time he stepped back, it was like he looked he looked at driver's way first before he looked at, at, at Rodgers or, or, or at Jennings. So how, many, a, how, many years, how many years has driver been undervalued? He's undervalued every draft, every year. Every draft. I mean, for the last, last seven years, you know, it's just been ridiculous. Hey. Absolutely, David. And thank you. I was just thinking the same thing. I mean, you know, the guy, you know, he gets overlooked every every single time. Yeah. Donald Driver gets overlooked. Uh, another thing I was going to bring up is uh, um, what's happened to the tight ends. The tight ends have just they've fallen off. And, uh, you know, so that's another thing to think about in these type of drafts is, you know, we had the tight end run and now – from seven to eleven, how many tight ends have been drafted? Yeah, and and I, but I but I still think a situation is like I said, your Michael Finley came from nowhere, Vernon Davis came from nowhere last year. Yeah, so there were, there was value to be had at tight end last year. I think the same could happen this year. Some people 
you know, younger kids step up and, and have bigger roles. So, again, it's, it's, you know, you can go after tight ends early or you can actually try to really, you know, snake some unbelievable value late and hopefully they pan out for you. Right. I, I like doing it late, Dave. That, I mean, that, that's just the way I draft and uh, I <laughs> right. always have. Oh. And... I mean, just, just imagine if, you, you know, you got Vernon Davis late last year. That could be the difference between winning. I mean, all the other talented players you have, and then you plug in Vernon Davis every week and you pick them up super late. That's the kind of thing I think that that can make a lot of sense in this yeah. format. Exactly, and you know, but you know, it's a, you know that's a big if, but uh, you know that's the thing you got to look at, and uh, you know, plug in uh, your uh, running backs, wide receivers, uh, get them going, and get your uh, quarterback, and get, and then very late get your tight end, and then go from there. Uh, I mean, unless the opportunity presents itself to get that. Uh, pristine uh, quarterback or tight end, then you can go ahead and do that. But uh, you know, depending on depending on the situation, I mean, especially right. This year, yeah, I, I I pretty much was sure, pretty pretty sure watching this draft with, with so many people veteran of this 1.5 points per reception format, you knew the tight ends weren't going to stay around. But but it's it's hard to know. I mean, there's so many people playing in the Football Guys Player Championship. You could get into a draft where the tight ends are sliding considerably, and then they just re- represent great value. So, you know, again, every draft's different, but uh, this one played out a-, a lot like probably a lot of them are going to go. So those real elite tight ends will go early. And then at some point, if you don't get an elite tight end, you have to wait to try to, you know, get exceptional value late. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty tight end heavy. And, uh, you know, and, and that's the way it works. I mean, a point and a half, I mean, I, I, I like that. I don't mind it a bit. And uh, uh, you know it depends on the uh, depends on the owner and uh, how they want to go about their draft. Uh, do, do they want to put a lot of stock into that and uh, and, and carry it forward? Uh, do you do you want to take that tight end that quick? Uh, you know, like I said, I personally don't. But uh, you know, it, it's 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 fun to it's fun to move forward. And uh, you know, like uh, if you look into uh, say round. 11, 12, I mean, can you get a, a viable tight end that can, uh, that can fit your team? I, I think there's some that you might be able to get in round 15, 16. I mean, I, there's some guys that I have on the board that I think, you know, could be something. So, I mean, again, you know, it's, it's, it's younger kids that are going to potentially have a bigger role, and uh, that's what you got to find. I mean, no different yeah. than Jermichael Finley was out there last year for all right. of us that have seen him play. We were all high on them, and there's 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 still a lot of tight ends on the board that could have a significant role this year. We went yeah. ahead and backed up uh, Jay Cutler with Roethlisberger. I, I think by week I eight love he it. could be rounding up into form. Dude, that's what, I love that pick. This play, I mean, in round twelve. I mean, if if Ben had no suspension, what's Big he Ben in round twelve? Crazy yeah. value. Crazy oh, value. Yeah. He he should you're, be the first. Kidding, he should be the. He should be the first QB2 off the board, provided your bye week is later in the year, um, simply because, you know, that I mean, it's still Ben Roethlisberger. He's going to be playing in that <laughs> yeah, offense, exactly. and you don't have much to worry about. So it, he's, a perfect, uh, he's a perfect guy for a Cutler or an Eli if, he, if, if he's your number one, uh, you know, to take as a, as a QB2. If, if they go down, you don't want your season to be over with, so you, you've got to make sure that you have a backup plan in place. Now, we had a choice here, and, and let's just talk a little bit of strategy here for a second rather than player prognostication. You can take your, 
you, you need to back up your quarterbacks at some point, obviously, and you need to back up your tight ends. And we're, we're sitting here looking at the upside that Roethlisberger presents um, versus the upside that a backup tight end. Now, look, we've got a risky tight end in Kellen Winslow. He needs to be backed up, obviously. Uh, and it looks like, from all accounts, most every team in here already has their backups. I mean, there's two or three right. of us, I think, that, doesn't, that, that don't have them. So, you know, at most, three or four are going to go off the board again. So none of these tight ends really stand out to me as got to have players for me. I, I, I put them all into the same kind of tier that say – they could be. They, they they could break out. Correct. Um, but but you might be able to get them four or five rounds later too. So you know exactly. You can you can wait on them and then uh, you know it's like what David said. You can get them four or five rounds later. So yep. So you know we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, we we did take a Willis McGahee, uh in the eleventh round. I think you know. Granted, look if if Ray Rice does go down uh, again, it's a flyer pick. It's a, it's a pick that I'm not counting on. I don't have to have in my lineup. I've already got my lineup picked, and I've already got a, a flex or two in my lineup if I need it. Uh, so at this point in the draft, if a Ray Rice goes down, McGahee becomes an instant start, and somebody that propels your team, a la a Jonathan Stewart, like last year, uh, to, a, you know, to a championship. And when you're, when you're trying to go for 50000 you need to have a couple of darts in there like that, that that can make a team and make a difference rather than, Looking at the the, the the safe contribution that you know you can get from them, so you know it is a it is a it's a boomer bust pick. It might be somebody that just sits on our bench and rots all year, but it could be the type of player that if in the right situation an injury happens to Rice, you put him in there, and now you're starting a dominant player on, on a great offense. On a dominant offense, right? And on a dominant offensive line. So I mean, that's again, yeah, I, yeah I totally agree. You have to have that backup player. Uh, that backup running back, especially not necessarily a wide receiver, but quarterback or running back, you have to have that backup player that's going to, you know, in in the perfect offense. I won't say the perfect offense, but in a great offense, that's going to make a difference when when they can just step in. Let's take a look at a couple of these teams here uh, and and the structure as this draft moves on. Um, we've we've got a team that's that's. Um, struggling to get his picks made tonight. So I, I don't know what's going on there. I haven't been following this chat, this live chat in the draft room as much, but uh, he's down to uh, no time left, and he gets Muhammad Masaquai. Uh Chad Henney was picked just a minute ago by Lou Tranquilli of BFDFantasy.com. Let's take a look at that. He backs up Brett Favre. He, he backs up Brett Favre with Chad Henney. And, again, questions about Brett Favre, but he ends up waiting till, until the ninth round, David, to take his quarterback, and so at that point in the draft, I mean, look, he just basically denied all the rumors. We had the biggest story of the year. <laughs> right. We're all—I mean, I'm on the road. I'm, I'm heading down to one of my offices down in Evansville, and I get—and I'm listening to the to the radio, and Colin Cowherd's on there, and he's like, you know, I'm getting these reports that Brett Favre is retiring, and text messaging players, and I'm like, okay, I'll believe it when I see it, because this is the guy. He just loves this media attention, and sure enough, you know, I go on about on about my day thinking, okay, well, maybe it's legit. By the time I get back to the hotel and I get up on football guys and I start to look at the updates for across the – bam, it's already happening. I don't know where these texts are coming from. I don't know who breaks this story. I don't know. He loves this limelight, David. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, that's, I mean, it's funny. I mean, I, when I officially posted uh, on our message board, I said, uh, you know, when he is not practicing a week before that Saints game – I mean, that Saints game, I mean, is there a bigger <laughs> – you know, avenue than this first, you know, that Thursday game. There's no way he won't be there. And I think it's one of those situations where, 
I really think, I mean, Favre is a bit, you know, immature to the point of he's really worried about tarnishing his legacy. I mean, he's already put in so many good games. I don't know why, but he just he, he knows he's capable of throwing those, you know, seven picks in a game. And I just think it's almost like he has to have some kind of built-in excuse. We're talking about an ankle. Here's somebody who isn't mobile. I mean, you're telling me they can't tape up his ankle so he can play? I, I don't buy it one iota. He'll be out there week one. I agree. I agree, David. And, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of funny when uh, the first time I saw it was on the uh, message board on FFPC. It said, Farmer's retired. And I looked at it, and uh, then I turned on ESPN, and they were having this big thing uh, about Farmer's retired. They're, they're doing all this thing about his uh, career and this and that. And I just shook my head, and I went, nah, I ain't buying it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't buy it one iota. And, and, I mean, he certainly has had tons of time to come out and, you know, confirm the story and that it hasn't happened. And so uh, it isn't going to happen. He's, I mean, he's, he has way too much to play for in that situation. I mean, he's got a great team. And, and I, the thing is, too, I mean, everybody that watched that New Orleans-Minnesota game, I mean, they coughed it up four times in the red zone, and he still yeah. almost won that game. So, I mean, that, that's a team, and the New Orleans goes on to win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, Minnesota's this close. Are you really going to hang it up? I mean, I, I don't get it. Yeah, he would have totally. already hung it up. There's no way. Yeah. I totally agree. That's a Super Bowl team. You put Brett Favre in, in the equation, that is a Super Bowl team. Like I said, if he's not practicing a week before the Saints game, I'll have, I'll have doubts. I'll have worries. But, you know, he's, he's going to miss all the two-a-days. He'll get out there. They'll tape up the ankle, and he'll play that, you know, week before they start. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, let, let, let's take a caller uh, for uh, for the we – ha, we haven't done that tonight. We're, we're two and a half hours in. We've got a caller from the 317. That's local uh, Indianapolis area. You're on with Red versus Blue and David Dots. Hey, Scott, can you hear me? I can. Hey, it's Russ Steele. How are you? Russ Steele, welcome to the program, buddy. How's it going? It's going well. I'm following the draft and uh, having a good time listening to the commentary and uh, appreciate uh, all the input you guys are giving. Uh, I had a couple of teams that really kind of stand out to me to this point. Um, Just wanted to point out that, in my opinion anyway, teammate, Azuri. Um, I think for John hopping in, uh, or I'm sorry, Don hopping in late, you know, he he looks to be in an FFPC format with Gates, Dallas Clark, and John Carlson. Um, pretty outstanding there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. He's loaded at tight end. Yeah, loaded at tight yeah. end. You have two of your, you have both of your flex covered. So let's take it a little bit step further. Peyton Manning is your starting quarterback. Now you need two starting running backs since you have both your starting flex. Uh, you need uh, Cedric Benson, Reggie Bush. He also has four set and LT as as that's a solid. Starter. I mean, to be honest, that's completely solid. Okay, here's the question. Here's the question. You, you do that well at all the other positions. What do you do at wide receiver? His wide receivers right now are Sidney Rice, Des Bryant, Eddie Royal, and Anthony Gonzalez. Now, that's not as bad as as, as some teams we've seen at wide receiver from the one hole, but in recent drafts. Not mentioning any names, but we've got we've got some serious <laughs> questions about Sidney Rice. We've got serious questions about Des Bryant. Uh, you need to start two wide receivers in every draft. So, David, can did 
has he pulled it off yet? Well, or it's one of those things where I think, I, think it's, I think it's pretty obvious from about week six on this, this team could be loaded. I mean, if Sidney Rice really is back and is playing well, if Des Bryant comes back, we'll know a lot more about Anthony Gonzalez. That certainly could be somebody he could just drop or has a significant role. So it's a situation that he's picked up all the walking wounded a receiver, but he got them all a great value. So, you know, can he, can he piece together wide receivers with those stud tight ends early? Probably. I mean, receivers are deep. You know, if he, he throws together a few things, maybe looks at some key matchups for the first two or three weeks of the season, puts together a team that just keeps them close, you know, but this is the kind of team in a championship-level thing where there's going to be so many players I mean, let's just say Eddie Royal really is the number one receiver there. Let's say Des Bryant becomes the number one receiver. Let's let's say Anthony Gonzalez really takes over and becomes the number two in in Indianapolis. Now you're looking and going, wow, this team could win it all. I mean, this isn't just a team that could win this league. This could win it all. Yeah, I I totally agree, David. Uh, The one thing uh, I was was thinking about was uh, Eddie Royal. Uh, I've been burnt by this guy so many times. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> in a terrible team, in a terrible team, in a terrible situation, this is a chance that this guy has to flourish. And uh, Eddie Royal could be the, could be that guy in that situation. Well, Russ, uh, I, I agree with you. What do you you know? I don't want to give this guy. Uh, I don't want to give. Um, I don't want to give Donnie any more help than he needs here. I mean, let's let's face it. But but in this format, you, it's a twelve week uh, season, uh, and you have two head to head teams the two best head-to-head and then you also have two total points so if you're hurting at wide receiver those first couple of weeks like you said maybe by white week six he's really rounding into form uh with des bryant being strong uh you better be you better get that total point spot because your head-to-head record will be lacking when other teams will be two or three losses tops will get them those two head-to-head spots but you know you you want to get into that championship bracket that's what it's all about so all you need to do is be one of the either the two highest scoring teams or the two best records. That's the, that's the ways you can get into the tournament. Uh, you have to be one of those top four teams. And then automatic berths are the one and two seats. So the top record and the top points get automatically entered into the, the chase for the 50,000. You've got one other team possibly, the winner of that four-team tournament, that can also get in. So it's, it's a guaranteed two teams from every league up to possible three teams that gets in for that 50,000. So uh, it, it's some questions about wide receiver. He's going to have to take some flyers here. Yeah, well, I just think that, uh, you know, you only have to come up with two, and, you, you know, you're going to throw uh, with a league of drafters of this caliber, you know, you really have to throw some darts out there, and I think that, uh, you know, he's got some huge upside with the wideouts. So, in my opinion, you know, I think that, uh, you know, outstanding all the way around and, and you know, getting uh, that last pick of Carlson as his third tight end, you know, I mean, I, I could anticipate Tar- Carlson being a top seven tight end this year, uh, you know, getting in the ninth round. So, to me, I don't know, I'm pretty excited about uh, that team. The other team I wanted to point out real quick is Wayne Ellis, um, you know, Colts fan. I think when you just look at the potential, um, you know, for that team, you know, the Wayne, Calvin Johnson, again, we, we, you guys have already discussed Donald Driver. Uh, he, I believe that he just signed a two-year contract extension. Um here recently as well. So, feeling well, potentially Mike Williams, a number one wideout. And then he's got two, you know, especially if Farr comes back, two uh, uh, what I would consider top 12 tight ends and, you know, Breeze on top. So, to me, but, you know, those two teams are uh, the, the, the two that I get really excited about in this draft. 
Well, let's take a look at that team as well. Uh, any time you start the draft off with Reggie Wayne and Calvin Johnson, you've got to be loving life. He follows it up with a couple of Saints, Drew Brees, Pierre Thomas. Uh, okay, everything's set so far. He snags Zach Miller, which was the very end of what I consider the elite tier. I, I, I think by the time the season gets around, I mean, it's just personal opinions here and everybody's got them, Zach Miller is the guy that's going to be up in that discussion right after that tier. Mm-hmm. He's going to be considered the back end of that tier. Uh, I think that's what we've been seeing. I mean, the, the guy is was such a big part of the offense. All the reports are saying that him and Campbell are are, uh, are connecting and, and are, are going to be a great team together, a great tandem leading this offense. Uh, 70 catches doesn't look out of the possibilities, especially with what we saw last year, and he's a big guy. So, you know, you're talking about a guy that could get hundred over 100 points in receptions, maybe 800, 800 900 yards in, in receiving yards. And then, I mean, the sky's the limit in touchdowns. So, He's landed everything through the five rounds. Then he starts taking some real questionable running backs, Ronnie Brown, Brandon Jacobs, and Steve Slayton, all guys that have injury histories. He needs one of those guys to really pan out, and he'll need two flex after that. So he's got some questions. He has Donald Driver, which I think is an excellent pick, but he's going to need one of those other guys. Either one of those running backs pans out. He also picks up Mike Williams, Visante Shanko as a flex, right? Uh, in this in this scoring system, Shanko is a starting player, especially with Brett Favre. With Tavares Jackson, David is Shanko. I'm sure everybody did he all the analysis. Won't score, he won't score any touchdowns. I mean, that's that's the issue. So so I mean, I think Favre's arm and arm strength gets Shanko the the touchdowns, and that's what makes him so valuable. So yeah, I, I think he he's he's the guy that probably takes the well. You know, if Sidney Rice isn't healthy, he's going to take a big hit too if Favre doesn't play. But Shanko will take a big hit. That that was the question. I knew that everybody had been uh, trying to figure out what are the impacts, you know, of this of this move here, uh, if Brett Favre does decide to retire. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get on the clock with Perry real quick. I'm gonna let you finish this up, Russ. What what else do you see in this draft? Well, you know, I mean, there's a couple other teams. I think that um, Ormond, uh, which is Money Inc., I think's got a nice team coming together. Uh, he's going to have a. I, a actually, I actually really, really love that team. I think he's really done wonderful things there. Yeah, I think he's got a great quarterback tandem there to uh, you know play um, uh, you know play the uh, matchups, and then you know he's got his uh, RB one sewn up. You know he's going to be searching for a running back too, but uh, you know you only need one, and uh, he's throwing up against the wall there. I think he's okay. You know, obviously Welker um, is the you know the big question mark, but. Tight ends, he's got his flex and uh, one of the two flex. And, you know, I mean, if Welker plays the way he looks like he's playing, at least at the starter camp here, you know, look out. Yeah, I think so, too. I, th- I think that's, that's pretty much what I see with that team. I mean, he's basically locked down a really cheap running back one by having a Diane Brown. Um, and here's the question on that. Gabe has a good matchup. Tennessee has a good matchup. Okay, those guys are talking behind it. But yeah, I would agree with you. I think, I think, uh, but I think Money Inc's uh, got a solid team, and it's and a lot will depend on Wells Walker and probably even To, you know, playing as good as they're capable of. No, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. agree. Guys, and uh, you know, it was kind of funny uh, listening to uh, Scott and uh, Perry in in the background going, "Well, that's got a matchup. That's got a matchup." But, uh, you know, that's what you do at this time in the draft. You know, you look for flyers. You look for different players. Uh, wide receiver, running back, I guarantee you they're going to go wide receiver, running back right here looking for a flyer. 
Well, they they just they just picked up Lance Moore, which I think is a brilliant move. So essentially, they, they have been able to they've been able to cuff Lance Moore now with Robert Meacham, and they got great value on both of them. One of them is going to be a star in this thing. So and even yeah. if you know you'll know each week who to play. So that's a, that's a that's a great use of two lower picks to to come up with a really good player. Absolutely, and you know, like I said, I mean, I knew they were going to just pull somebody and. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, that really makes sense, David. And uh, you know, uh, good good job, uh, Scott and Perry, on that pick. And uh, now we're up to uh, Ollie and uh, Army of Darkness. And and looking at their team, they're going to uh, they're going to go for another flyer as well. Yeah, it looks like they've picked. So. They've got, it looks like uh, he's picked Chris Chambers. Wide receiver. There you go. And Mike and Thomas. I like, I like both of those picks. Those are good, those are good flyer picks there this late. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one thing I wanted to point out, uh, you know, some, a comment you made earlier, David, is about the, um, uh, the Forte Chester Taylor, you know, and going for broke. I'm certainly one that's of the opinion, um, you know, of that. I think, you know, Forte at, at 411 is a little early for me, but, you know, Taylor at 811 is, uh, to me, is a solid uh, handcuff at that point. You know, getting eighth round and assuring yourself True. of that running back position for what, you know, is uh, expected at least to be uh, a high-powered offense this year uh, with Marts in town. So as you look at that team, uh, you know, I'm high on Maroney as well. So, you know, I mean, getting – you know, basically, your your running backs to me, you look uh, like you've got your running back position locked up. Uh, Romo has been, you know, discussed ad nauseum. But uh, you know, then you go down and you start looking at the wideouts. You know, Steve Smith, Macklin, uh, Lee Evans, and like you said, even on a poor team, somebody has to catch the ball there. And if Vincent right. Jackson doesn't come back, you've got you know you've got Malcolm Floyd got as a wide one. receiver right. three or four. Right. You know, you've got four number ones there potentially. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of good drafters in this thing. No, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I mean, I personally am not a big Matt Forte guy, but, but Matt Forte, four eleven, Chester Taylor, eight eleven, com, you know, combined, that's great value. I mean, like you said, you yeah. locked up the Chicago running game, and so that's kind of how you have to play that. I mean, somebody's going to be high enough on Matt Forte that if you're going to get them both, that's pretty much how he had to do it. So I, I mean, that worked out well for him, just, just like this. You know what we just saw—the Lance Moore, Robert Meacham pick. I mean, I thought Robert Meacham was a reach, but Lance Moore coupled with Robert Meacham turned out to be a great, great value. So absolutely, yeah. I mean, getting that, getting that—you uh, know—locking down that position. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a die, Donald Brown. I, I look at Forte, Chester Taylor, uh, very similar. You know, you're locking yeah. up a number one, and, and to your point, you know, you're going to know uh, in most cases who the starter is on uh, each uh, weekend and week out. And, yeah, uh, I think it's so. I, yeah, I mean, Mar- Martz has never been a guy that just rotates a bunch of backs through. I mean, they'll they'll have a giant camp battle, and and maybe even Forte starts the season and gets benched or whatever. But it'll, they'll be a clear starter each week, I think, in those situations. Yeah. And I think the same thing will happen in Indianapolis. I mean, yep. each yeah. of those guys. You know, could I have, totally agree, guys. And uh, you know, the, the whole deal is going to shape out in Indy uh, between Donald Brown and Joseph Adai, and. You know, it's just who you draft and uh, when you when you get them. But uh, you know, I think the the Lance Moore pickup. Uh, I mean, that was great. And uh, you you just gotta go ahead and uh, 
you got to move forward and uh, go and take the picks that you, that you think that you need at the time. All right, I'm back, guys. I'm I'm back. Uh, Perry and I, Perry and I deliberated, and uh, you know what? We were we were happy to get Lance Moore back because Dodds, you know, you you scared me with his toe, and we talked about the toe, and now the toe's a bigger issue, and and, and Lance Moore makes it a couple rounds later, so we're we're happy to uh, see him last. Well, and, and again, we we've been we've been talking a lot about it here, Scott. The fact that you have both of those guys, that's just incredible value. I mean, you essentially have. You know, one of, if not the top offense, you've got the number two guy. And Colson has also gotten dinged from time to time. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, it could be a situation you got two of the stars over there. So I think the fact that you got both those guys so late when people are looking for flyers, well, one of those two guys is probably going to be an exceptional player this year. Hey, we've got the second defense off the board uh, a full five <laughs> rounds later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. Where defenses belong, Darren. We've got the we've got the Minnesota Vikings off to John Duckworth uh, again a defense that um, you know by all accounts uh, tons of sacks tons of turnovers this that that that's a very good defense in that dome to uh, to to start to, that's that's the time to really take your defense if you can get an elite one and you don't work now I'm not that guy I'm the guy that always takes the 20th round defense and looks for a great week one matchup and I'm like okay I'm gonna do that every week you know and I'm gonna bid five dollars on one and then three on another so I'm just a very cheap I'm a very cheap drafter when it comes to defenses. I don't know why that is. I, I can't shake it. I, there's never a time I can I can pull my defense. David, how how early do you usually take your stabs at defenses? I, it's kind of funny in in what I call these like big expert leagues. Like this is clearly you know a who's who in this draft room. I generally end up taking defenses a little earlier, and I say that only because people wait. Like we're so used to waiting forever. That's how I usually play. I mean, I'll wait until six or seven are off the board before I even think about it. But some of these some of these leagues now obviously the Jets went super early. None of us would have made that pick. But you start getting in the 13th, 14th, 15th rounds. Like man, I'm just going to take a good defense now. I mean, so I, I you know I I look to the top of the board around around round 12, round 13, and and if all the defenses are there, I, that's just that's you know why take a flyer super late and have to piece it together when you can just have a great play you know a great team to to put in. So 13, 14, that's about where I look. Uh, kickers, 17, 18, 19, somewhere in that range. I've been a lot deeper. But but essentially, same thing. I mean, you get to, like, the 19th round, people still won't take their place kicker. It's like, well, dude, give me a good one, you know? I mean, I, I mean, just why wait and then take the last one in the 22nd round when you could just had a good one three rounds earlier and possibly still got the same position player you wanted later, so. Yeah. Uh, well, Russ, thanks for calling us up, buddy. Uh, any other any other teams that uh, are standing out to you? Where are you going to be? Where are we going to find you? In uh, in in uh, are you going to be in Vegas this year? You're, you're drafting in some high stakes leagues. I I'm uh, driving. I'm leaving tomorrow morning for Vegas. And no, I'm kidding. I will be. Uh, <laughs> I'll be getting in Thursday morning uh, and leaving out Sunday morning. Get uh, home about halfway through the uh, first game and. Um, I'll be spending a bunch of money with the FFPC this year. So uh, I had a great uh, run last year and hoping to, you know, kind of uh, duplicate the success. Well, good All luck, right. Russ. Yeah, the FPC drafts are uh, are rounding into form now, and they're filling up every night. So uh, we we look forward to uh, to seeing you around, buddy. Thanks for calling Red vs. Blue. Absolutely. All right, thanks, guys. Have a great night. Russ Steele. Uh, David, I don't know if you followed uh, along in the standings last year. We had Russ on the oh. program, but oh, I know who Russ Steele is. Yeah, <laughs> accomplished drafter, accomplished season last year. Yeah, he was uh, he was the number one uh, player in the league or in, in the entire 
fantasy football uh, players championship. Uh, and if he had, if he would have spent the one hundred dollar um, for the player for <laughs> right. life contest, he would have had locked up a free entry into the FFPC main event for the next twenty years. I know exactly for one hundred dollars. Uh, that's that's an amazing uh, reason. I mean that 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 just that just gives you you have to kick in that extra hundred bucks uh, to that event when you play it. Uh, just to have that chance, it's it's. Uh, I think they call this the greatest gimmick of all time, and and that's what it is. You you, you got to do it. You got to kick in the, that extra hundred bucks and and give it a shot because you could be sitting there in the number one seed and uh, not not have talk it. about how much value there is a quarterback. Matt Stafford just goes late in round fourteen. Well, and, and let's look at Matt Stafford. I mean, an improving offense. Uh, he, he looks fantastic. I mean, even though he had interceptions in that Thanksgiving game. He pulls out the W. He's hurt. He's getting up from injury. Uh, you don't think he, he he plays all heart, all grit, all toughness, gets in there and throws a touchdown. Uh, I don't remember who it was to, but I remember coming away from that game saying, "Okay, this kid's got something." I don't know what that is, but but he has something enough to uh, you know to, to say maybe, he, maybe yeah maybe he's going to be able to to take that leap. He's got Calvin Johnson. They bring in Nate Burleson. They're going to move Scheffler all around the field, and that's why I absolutely love. What Lou did, he waited till the 11th round, but he got a guy I'm very high on. I would have loved to have uh, Scheffler as my tight end too. Uh, Tony Scheffler, have you? Have you? What, what are your thoughts on Scheffler and how he fits in with Pettigrew? Yeah, well, Pettigrew's heard tonight. You know, I, I think I think Scheffler's going to be the guy there. Uh, so you know, maybe Pettigrew's back on the field. But yeah, Detroit's done everything right. I mean, you look at the the team they've assembled. They've got a tremendous number of skill guys. I mean, Stafford was forced to kind of just throw the ball up and, you know, Calvin Johnson jump, and jump ball in it with, you know, five other defenders on him. I mean, yeah. it was just kind of sick to just even think that he could do anything. And, but Stafford's the same thing. He showed me a ton, showed me a ton of grit. Um, he's, got a, he's got a rock of an arm. And, you know, you've got to understand, too, I mean, even these little dumb passes, the job at best, are going to turn into huge gains. They all of a sudden got a tight end, multiple tight ends. Uh, they're developing this team, so uh, I mean, wide receiver right. two is now actually relevant, and so I mean, it, this this is going to be a pretty good offense. Okay, I got to ask you guys, uh, what's uh, what team is going to have the most wins? The St. Louis Rams or the Detroit Lions? I think the Lions. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you. I think the Rams are the bottom seller of the of the league right now, and. Who's the starting quarterback there, Dodds? It's not, it's not Bradford yet. Uh, it's AJ Feely. Get excited <laughs> about that. That's going to sell the program. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah I, I don't believe that for one. What iota? But you know, I mean, I mean, maybe they throw AJ Feely out just to get him booed, and then they bench him or something. I, I but that's a team that's in deep trouble. Yeah, lots of okay. great players. I'm going to write that down because I, I think it's going to be the Rams. Lots of players here, uh, guys. We're gonna we're gonna get on the clock again with uh, with Perry. We've got an important set of picks here in the fifteenth, sixteenth. I know all I see all these defenses going off the board. Maybe maybe we take a, a, a defense here, but look, take a look at the draft board here. I've got the color coded draft board up, and I and I'm and I'm seeing how everybody kind of laid out their draft here. You've got you've got some guys, the Aaron Rodgers team. I mean, it's a perfect reason when you draft Aaron Rodgers in the second. Dodge, you don't you don't spend a pick on a backup quarterback at all, do you? Not in a format like this when you can get one off the waiver wire. Um, around twenty, you know, around twenty one. I mean, super late, or or don't even worry about it. I mean, maybe somebody like Gerard, you can get really cheap, or 
but yeah, for the most part, I mean, if your if your quarterback goes down, you're going to lose this league. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's pretty much just how it's going to play if you take a, a big quarterback early like that. Hello. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm trying to make my pick here, guys. Hey. I'll be right back with you. Okay, sounds good. Okay, I thought you were there, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. So just a bunch of defenses. Nothing real exciting here going on. Uh, you know, Devin Henderson. I mean, just a bunch of defenses. Mostly. Right. A bunch of gambles here. Nothing. James Jones. That's a that's a that's a fun pick from Colts fan. That's a, a gamble oh. that could pay off. <laughs> You know, at that time, it's like, oh, well, i got to pick somebody. But, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I'm looking at, at this at this guy uh, way down the board. And, uh, of course, it, this guy, he won't come into account in this type of draft, but uh, I took him in a, one of the 77s, uh, was uh, Deja Karim. Okay, sure. You familiar, David? Yeah, I am. I'm not sure he's even the backup yet, but but I mean, he's in, you know, I mean, if if MJD goes down, I mean, he's somebody who could, you know, be significant. Yeah, Those are the swing you know, for the fence kind of plays that that can win you the whole thing. I mean, let's just say MJD goes down a week two. I mean, the guy that has this guy that doesn't have to pick him up on waivers, that's a huge advantage. Yeah, he he's moved up every board that I've seen, and uh, you know, I drafted him in a dynasty league, and uh, I've got him. So uh, I was like, well, what the heck? You know, let me go ahead and take this guy and uh, see what happens. Uh, so, like I said, I drafted him in the Dynasty League back in March. And uh, now, uh, you know, he's moving up a lot of boards. So I'm going to stand pat with him in, in a Dynasty League and move forward with him. And uh, But uh, for this year, I mean, it's not a viable, it's not a viable option, but unless it's your last option. Sure. I mean, I mean, when you're taking flyers like that, it's like you know something major has to happen. I mean, MJD's not going to be benched, so he has right. to get hurt. But if it if it pays out, you know, if it happens, I mean, those injuries do happen in this league. Then yeah, you could you could be sitting on something huge. Dodds, are you are you paying attention here to um to to the to the draft? We got we, we've got James Jones and Jordy Nelson both going within two picks of each other. You're right, I uh, saw that. That's interesting. Has this not been a battle uh, for training camp uh, throughout this off season? I, I don't, I don't know what we're seeing here now. If Driver's healthy, obviously, it's not a real big story. But if Driver, for some reason, does break down, you've got the number two option possibly uh, sitting here. It could be, it could be two, two A and two B all year if Driver went down, uh, because right, right now I think it's three A and three B, but. If one of these guys does prove to stand out from the other, that, there's a lot of uh, potential here in that pick. Yeah, I think. Well, again, you got you know, anytime you're you're swinging for the fences, you want to be swinging for the fences in in these high-powered offenses. I mean, just think of last year when you could have got Austin Collie for nothing, you could have got Pierre Garcon for nothing. And why were they such great picks? Well, because you swung for the fences on a, a real powerful offense. So when they did get their chance. You know, they they connected for for big points. So that's that's the thing. You don't want to be swinging for the fences for from Cleveland or you know some of these just horrible teams. You want to be swinging it on, you know, high powered offenses like Green Bay. So, 
this is how you make these rounds work. Well, and we basically flipped a coin there for bet- between Lionel Hamilton and Mike Bell, and it landed on Lionel Hamilton. So <laughs> we'll, we we just figure, you know what, at that point in the draft, there's very few running backs left. Pierre, Again, Pierre and, Thomas and, can't stay healthy, and right. it's like you, you know if, if Thomas goes down – Everybody says, oh, Bush will get uh, – Reggie Bush is a situational runner. I, don't, I think they know what they have in him. I don't think they would ever give him tremendous carries. So Lionel Hampton jumps in, becomes a legitimate force. Again, round 16, you're swinging, and you're yep. swinging on good offenses. And yep. I think it's a great swing. And it's a goal line option already. I think he, he, he is the uh, immediate goal line option. From what we saw last year, we'll see, if, we'll see if they decide to continue to use him that way. And I love Pierre Thomas. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think – Seeing what, seeing what he's capable of, every every play he can take to the house. He's just got that fantastic stride about him that you love to see from backs. And um, you know, but you got to take flyers here. Mike Bell goes right after it, and then Rashad Jennings uh, again. You know, I don't know who the backup, the true backup is to MJD. Uh, <laughs> I know, but they're right, both right there. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're both right there. Um, Deji Kareem, I believe, is 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 the guy. I think Mike, you took him in the pros versus Joe's. Yeah, that, that's, that's what uh, that's what Dave and I we were just talking about. Uh, okay. Deji Kareem, uh, you know, I mean, but that's a cat- catastrophic type of thing that probably won't happen. But right. if it does, uh, you better take him. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> let's let, let's look at a couple of these drafts. Let's go ahead and, and and try to break this down a little bit and and see what these these players have done again. We're, we're talking to David Dodds from FootballGuys.com. He's been nice enough to uh, to join us this evening. Uh, we were going to go um, with with this draft, and it's been a, been a whole lot more fun. Thanks uh, with with David checking in with us. Uh, the Football Guys Players Championship is a three hundred and fifty dollar entry fee league uh, comprised of twelve team leagues, and uh, the winners of those advance to a championship bracket for the final. Uh, let's see, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixty three week. Uh, it's a three week playoff run, right? Correct. Uh, for the for the $50,000. So week 17 is not involved, so 14, 15, and 16 become very important. Uh, so, you know, if, if you want to cash on the big money, I, I, you got to look at, you know, hey, if Darrell Rivas is playing you in, the, in week 14 through 16, I'm not drafting you because that's, that's an automatic <laughs> right. bye week right there. So, you know, I, I, I definitely watch out for things like that. And then, um, you know, $50,000 at least guaranteed. That's a progressive prize pool so that when the number of entries go up, the prize pool goes up as well. Not only do the the payouts go up um, throughout the um, throughout the um, the rank, it, it, it might be 20, 20 payouts deep, and then it goes to thirty and forty, and it keeps it keeps going uh, deeper as the the number of teams go uh, increase in this contest. But the total prize pool goes up from fifty thousand to I think you do five thousand increments or ten. It goes fifty, fifty-five, sixty, sixty-five, all the way up to seventy-five, and then they start dumping in every single dollar uh, that comes in it goes directly to that top grand prize. So we could be looking at, you know, a $100,000 prize pool for a $300 entry fee, $350 right. entry fee. That's, that's the piece of, that's, you know, and that's, that's kind of what we envision. And whether we achieve all that this year or not, uh, just the fact that for $350, I mean, it's still a lot of money, but, but still to be playing for that kind of money, $50,000 grand prize at a minimum, and, and only goes up from there, that's just – it, it's cool, and and the fact that when people even win their leagues, they they win enough money to pretty much then even take a shot at the FFPC or the NFFC or or you know the World Championship of Fantasy Football. I mean, you basically have enough money from winning your league to take it to another level too. So it's it just seems like a really good situational you know for an online draft, and and a lot of people have jumped in and bought three teams, and and certainly we're seeing the best of the best, you know who's who in this field tonight. So there's a lot of people taking this seriously. Yep. 
David, let's let's talk about uh, your decision to get into the uh, the, in, the the world of high stakes. You've obviously been watching the entire step of the uh, the entire time because you've been involved. I remember you out in Vegas. We drafted in a league together out in Vegas. I think that was the year I actually drafted Jerry Porter. And um, uh, no, I didn't have such a good such a good run that year either. But uh, yeah. Oh, because you guys you guys really sold me on this guy. Uh, Brandon Lloyd, uh, he was just the talk of the town, you know, football guys had him really high, and, you know, I'm like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him, and I got him as, like, my wide receiver three, and he, and he performed, like, at wide receiver 30. <laughs> right. So uh, I, didn't, I didn't cash that year. That was, I was really cocky that year coming off my first league title. I thought I, was, I, I thought I could do anything in a draft and really just take stabs, and then it was really humbling to come back to earth. And, but, but you've been a, a watching the whole way. Why now? Why this year? Because you've been sitting on the sidelines for, for this time. What, what, was, what precipitated this move? Well, I mean, to be honest, I mean, we, you know, obviously we have a giant mailing list, and, and we, you know, send out our daily email. So in a lot of ways it makes sense for us to kind of almost stay neutral to all these contests. We could essentially get advertising money from all of them and, and really be just a promoter of all the games. And I think what really soured us just on a lot of the high stakes in this off season, or really for the last two years, is, is literally what we'll call the thieves. I mean, the AFFLs of the world that basically have taken people's money, not paid, still trying to take signups this year. And it's just, it's sickening. You know, we're seeing these kind of things. And, and a lot of those same kind of companies, I'm not saying they're all, I'm not going to put all these companies in, in, in one together, but, but they're all... You know, they're all coming to us saying, hey, we'd love to be on your mailing list, et cetera. And it really got to the point where I'm not sure we want to really put our necks out for virtually any of these contests. I mean, FFOC now is folded, you know, and it's, you know, have they paid all their money? And it's, that's kind of up in the air and questionable. No one really knows. And so, but the bottom line is just, you know, taking their advertising dollars became harder and harder to do. And I think we really just came to the decision of, you know what, there's, there's very few contests we really – could stand behind. We really loved what the FFPC was doing, that they protected their prize pool, put it, put it aside, and honestly really got to the point of saying maybe we should just be in the game ourselves. Well, and that's exactly what you did. So you decided to partner with uh, the guys from the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Um, obviously the concerns that you have are, I'm sure, the same concerns we have at the, the Fantasy Players Association. It's the integrity of these contest operators uh, and, and the, the you know there's a there's an entire financial cloud that that kind of lurks over a lot of contests. We don't understand what's involved, how it's involved, and we start to see contest after contest fold up shop and say, "Eh, we made bad decisions. We didn't get the sign-ups we wanted. We we invested it in the wrong areas," and, and that's concerning to us as players that we, we you know we we pony up hard-earned dollars, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars to play in these leagues. That's not sure. shop change. And the danger there, too, is that as players, everybody pays that money, but you really just have no idea really where that money went. I mean, are they invested in housing, and are they, you know, do they take a big giant gamble, at, you know, in Vegas and try to win? Did they, you know, and I'm not saying those things are happening, but it's, right. but it is all behind the scenes, so as players, nobody really knows, so you're, you know, the best course the players had, certainly before your organization kind of looked into some of these things, was literally well they paid out last year so they're well we're finding out that's not you know FFOC paid out now year two they're not around and you know after year two so I mean it's not really and and so like I said I, I just think it, it got to a point for us we didn't really think it was already the point of whether either people were going to protect their money 
through some kind of escrow, use league safe, something like that, or we just weren't going to take advertising dollars. We didn't want to be associated with it. And like I said, I think at some point just said, well, you know, especially for an online contest, I mean, I don't know that we want to really be in the business of, you know, doing a whole Vegas event or anything. That's what FFPC and those guys and, and NFFC and, and all the other people that do great events do. But certainly as far as an online thing, I said, well, we, we know a lot of people. we got giant mailing lists. I think we could, you know, partner with these guys that are, are shown to be exceptional running these things. They have the same goals of protecting the money. I think we could do something really big. Well, it's been a it's been a really good turnout. We, we we've uh, we've been you know a lot of a lot of a lot of folks are probably sitting on the sideline trying to understand you know we that you had the back end uh, situation to resolve and it sounds like RT Sports from the looks of things here it's it's coming off very flawlessly. We haven't had any issues in the chat room. We haven't had any issues in the draft room. Uh, things seem to be rolling very smooth. Uh, you, you partner with the guys at the FFPC. You had a lot of choices here. What was it in the guys in the FFPC that you saw? That said, hey, I want to partner with and make some make a really special contest. Well, they they certainly came to us. I mean, that always helps. I mean, if, if somebody doesn't come to you and, and offer those things, then, then certainly they're less on the table. But but I think the other thing is they from day one they protected their prize pool. Now, admittedly, they were like the the little guy, so they kind of had to showcase their league a little differently and and had to make a name for themselves. But the fact that they were just willing to put their name their money behind a fence and say, hey, it's there, guys, come take a look. That's exactly how we would run it. And that's, and that's when we said, when, you know, we had our negotiations and talked with them, we said, well, yeah, let's do that. Let's, just not, let's not even do just the 50000 Let's take our entire football guy's prize pool and put it behind the fence. I mean, no one's making any money on interest or anything anyway right now. The interest rates are super low, so, you know, that, that you know, really isn't the situation. But, again, I, I just think – you know, I, I feel like at least with football guys, people have come to trust us. You know, we're up to 40,000 subscribers, have another, you know, 150,000 people on our free mailing list. They've come to, you know, believe we'll be around year in, year out. So, again, let's put our name behind a contest, and we know we're going to pay out. We know we'll do our very best to run it as, as good as we possibly can. And, again, that's what – as a player, if I was a player, I can't play in this one, but if I was a player, that's exactly what I'd be looking for. And, and certainly, that's where I play. I play FFPC, where the money's protected, and and they've got yep. you know a, a history of paying out within two weeks of of the thing ending and and those kind of issues. So, you know, as a player, that is where I play. So the fact that we could join forces with them and just do something huge, and again, I th- I think as far as growth potential, I think this online piece could be just really big. Well, you, you know, uh, David, you want to make sure that everything's protected. Uh, when when you enter in when you enter into something, you want to make sure that it's protected and that you're having fun with it. First off, but second off, you want to know that uh, uh, the finances, then what your return is going to be protected, and you're going to get some get what you deserve. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, just imagine. I mean, we you know we know some of these people. I mean, personally, I mean, but you know. You know Jeff Gill, you know Fish from the from the boards wins the AF. You know he's got to be jumping for joy. He's just you know the best thing in the world, and then finds right. out he doesn't get paid, yeah. and now it's just and, and and just a whole cloud over the whole wow. industry and 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 all the fun he he thought he had. He's yeah. now fighting tooth and nail to get you know ten percent of his money, right. and, and that's just awful. I, I mean again we're we're in the business of information, and. You know, I mean, I, I just feel awful when, yeah. when you hear those kind of stories. I mean, we right. want people to have great experiences in, in playing fantasy sports, and that's the worst of all kind of experiences. So, again, 
I mean, we can't. I can't do what everybody else is doing. I can't control everybody else's contests. I know the FFPA right. is, is doing their best to try to figure those things out and and research problems and and showcase things and issues and and get everybody more well, aware. But but certainly for our own contest, we can control everything, and that's what we've done. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, I mean, you can only control the controllable, and uh, you know. And your own contests and things like that. I mean, you you, you control that. Uh, the FPA, uh, what Scott's uh, doing right now, and you know, I'm in I'm in full support of that. Is to it's to stop things uh, that uh, shouldn't happen to begin with. And you know, we don't need those kind of things. We got a we got a great thing going. You got a great great thing yep. going. Uh, the FFPC. Uh, there's a lot of organizations that have a great thing going, so let's just keep the the good ones going, and uh, you know, kind of nip the ones in the bud that aren't going so well. Thank you, Mike. We're on the we're on the clock here, Perry. Uh, it looks like you just took the short leash, uh, Mason Crosby here, and so now we've got to we've got to decide what we're going to do. Uh, Perry, you with me, buddy? Perry. Okay, Perry's. Uh, I'm here. Okay, all right. You, you're worrying me a little bit. We've got to make a decision here. Um, obviously, our, our team is looking. Uh, you, you went ahead and grabbed our. You grabbed our place kicker in the 17th round. Okay, so now that we've got that taken care of, and I don't have to. I can sleep easy tonight. Guys are funny. What do you want? What do you want to do now, Perry? Get one with a late bye week, and then you don't have to worry about it. Another kicker. Okay, all right. So uh, you know, you want to take like a, me. you want to take another flyer here uh, at wide receiver. There's obviously nothing at uh, at running back we, 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 that really, we really need to take. You want you want to just take another flyer at wide receiver? Sure. Or yeah. would you rather take a flyer at tight end because we need a tight end too. We've got Pettigrew as our only backup to Winslow. If for some reason Pettigrew's not healthy, week four <laughs> we may want to consider. Uh, you know, I mean, you've got you've got rookies right now at this point, so maybe we pass on the tight ends. There's not a lot of uh, high upside tight ends here, so. You want to take uh, – what's that? Josh Morgan. Oh, no. I don't want Alex Smith's third target. <laughs> How about you, – you want Tampa's first target? Do you want uh, Golden Tate, Golden maybe a, a Seattle wide receiver, or do you want to back up Roddy White and get Harry Douglas? What's wrong with Daniel Fells? Stop it, Mike. 22nd. <laughs> uh, your choice. All right. Well, you're going you're gonna to push me to a decision here. Uh, da, 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 da. All right, we're gonna we're gonna back up Roddy White. Take another insurance pick here with Harry Douglas. I love Harry Douglas. I think he's the next Marvin Harrison. There, I said it. Okay. All right. Well, look, I, love, I love that pick, by the way. He's he's somebody I'm slating for virtually every team I draft. <laughs> yeah, I did that a couple years ago, but he couldn't stay on the field. Well, look, we we've uh, we've had a great time here. Uh, we we need to be able to break down more teams. We're gonna be doing that over on the FFPC boards and the Football Guy uh, Player Championship boards. So uh, feel free to check those out. We're going to break down these teams and reveal these draft slots for everybody that missed the show. This podcast will be available on, on Red vs. Blue's homepage here at Blog Talk Radio. And, uh, David, thanks for joining us tonight. Perry, thank you for helping out. Yep. And, uh, David, closing, closing comments on this draft, buddy. Oh, it's been fun. I mean, I, I think, you know, virtually everybody's got a, a good team. Uh, some people have assembled them, you know, a little bit differently. But uh, you're seeing how, how early tight ends go, but then you're seeing other teams that will wait on tight end and, and bolster their team with good running backs and receivers. So that's what makes this format fun, I think, as people, you know, examine these drafts 
get into it a little deeper, get the ADPs a little bit better. It's going to be fun for everybody for this event. Mike, hey, David, uh, just, just, just close out real quick. Uh, I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty much uh, pretty much even, and uh, I'm looking at it all, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to to watch uh, to watch all of them. Uh, Scott, Perry, good. I mean, good luck, guys, and uh, you know, uh, David, good luck. Uh, we got that bottle of wine, bottle of whiskey, and we'll see. <laughs> yeah, what happens. we sure do. It's going to be interesting. I got a different team in that, but we'll see. No. <laughs> Red versus blue. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you everybody in the chat room. Uh, it's been a, it's been a fantastic draft. We shattered all of our records tonight. Thanks to uh, football guys for for bringing us out. And uh, we'll we'll see you next week on Friday night. We've got a great show. Uh, we're hoping to have Emil uh, Cadillac on the show. Uh, he's got something that you do not want to miss. Red versus blue. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.
bloody 